This is the limitless Keith Lee. This is Brody King. This is Angel Garza. Will Ospreay. Hornswoggle. Pentagon. Junior. The villain, Marty Scale. The Mexican Ray Phoenix. King Ricochet. Concrete Rose, Sunny Kiss. And I'm here to ask you to stop what you're doing. Take just one moment and bask in the glory of the busted wide open. 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 Busted wide open podcast. <laughs> You're listening to the Busted Wide Open podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome everybody to BWO Live coming to you from Twitch. This is Busted Wide Open episode number 265. My name is and Nick And this just in, Mia Yim's name on Raw to be changed to Extreme with three X's and the number three instead of all of the E's. And Mercedes Martinez is now only to be known simply as most tone loke deaf homegirl wiki wiki zip bang because Vince McMahon is still convinced that being edgy is still stuck somewhere in 1994. I'm Surrey and Dangerous and welcome, welcome, welcome to the Busted Wide Open show. We are here to talk about Monday Night Raw as you may have guessed from all of that and good lord, we have things to talk about today. Three hours of questionable booking. I, I wish I could say that it's going to be a fun show, but luckily we also have New Japan's G1 the first two nights to talk about that as well. So, Nick, we have a lot to discuss. Let's do some housekeeping and then we can kick it over and do some of that. Yes, absolutely, guys. Come over and join us in Discord. It is the place to be for all of the live chats. We've got a running set of channels, both live and English commentary for the G1 to keep you up to date on what's going on. Plus, if you're a night owl and you're up late watching the G1 or whenever you want to check in and watch it, you can come over and join us over mm-hmm. there. Uh, you can also find us over on Facebook in our discussion group. Just search for Busted Wide Open. Like our page. Send us a join request. We'll get you right into the group for fun memes, all kinds of good news stories, and other fun things as well. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BWO Podcast. Subscribe to us over on the tubes of you at YouTube.com slash Busted Wide Open. Uh, and patrons, thank you very much for all of your support every single month. If you guys would like to get in on some of those exclusives, such as the ability to get show notes, bonus episodes and starting october 1st we will be putting the audio only version of our live shows here up as an audio podcast as well going forward so lots of stuff uh between twitch and patreon it's where uh we're putting all of our bets and all of our things so come over and support us either here on twitch or over at patreon.com slash bwo and thank you guys for all of your continuous support Ian, i think i need to you fix your delay fix real me. quick you need to fix me. And Retribution knows what's fix you. coming. And they've already tweaked our show a little bit to make me slightly delayed. They're back. Oh, can't <laughs> you get rid of them. fixed now. <laughs> Thank you very much, sir. Yes. Uh, but, yeah, I think you. Uh, that was all the housekeeping I had. Wow. Well, then, then let me uh, take this moment, Nick, because I'm going to get a little bit Shakespearean here because of what we have to do next. Friends, wrestling fans, countrymen, lend me your ears. I come to bury Raw, not to praise it, 
The bad booking that men do lives after them. The good is often turred with their bones. So let it be with Monday Night Raw. Yeah. Guys, this is gonna be rough. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> this, this, this is gonna be. This is gonna be fun. We're gonna make it fun. We're gonna make it fun. We're gonna make. We're gonna have a good time. <clears throat> yes. But prepare yourselves. Prepare. Prepare. Because prepare right yourself. off the bat, we're gonna talk about retribution. If you didn't right watch Raw bat, last night, by the way, you just just listen to us. <laughs> don't don't bother. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> you're not. You're not wrong. Uh, yeah. So okay. Let's talk. Let's talk about retribution. <laughs> let's talk about the fact that we finally saw. The five main, mm, what do you want to call them? the leaders of retribution? The five main yeah, members, characters of retribution members. Yeah, know. we finally saw them, quote unquote, revealed, or at least they came out in more unique gear. They weren't in their masks and hoodies that they were in before. They all came out in what can be only described as anime bane masks and varying degrees of makeup and attitude. You had uh, the. Well, we definitely could tell who they were: Shane Thorne, uh, Dijakovic, uh, the great Black Utaku himself, Dio, Ma- Dio Madden, Mia Yim, and Mercedes Martinez. Uh, Dijak shaved his head and now has like crazy like uh, eye- makeup and and uh, contacts. Dio Madden also has contacts. Was it the tick uh, that wore those things? That wh- there was some character somewhere I remember that wore a mask that had. Oh, like it reminds shit. me of like Christian's old glasses. That with the, where Thank he's got the, where he's got the uh, the things painted. But anyway, here's the thing: I, I can't I can't lie. I wasn't entirely mad at their look, but it wasn't until the main event of the show where Retribution actually had a match, and we'll get to how that happened in a second. Right. That they revealed their names. <sighs> they revealed the names. That Dijak, Dio Madden, and Shane Thorne are now known by. And Michael Cole did it in the most unceremonious way possible. <laughs> he did it in the most Michael Cole right. way possible when he referred to Dijak as T-Bar. Uh, the, I, this is the one I, I, I think he's called T-Bar. He's, uh, uh, T-Bar. This is the one known only as T-Bar. <laughs> yes. Uh, they referred to Dio Madden as Mace, which salvageable. You can salvage Mace. T-Bar, irredeemable. Yes. And then the worst of all, poor Shane Thorne is known as Slapjack, which is actually the name for an an improvised weapon. It means any kind of blunt object that's hidden under a piece of cloth, kind of like the mad ball that they use over in uh, in AEW. But here's the thing. It sounds too close to slap nuts, and it sounds stupid as hell for a guy supposedly in some kind of anarchist group. An anarchist group I will add that they said throughout the entire show, someone has signed to a WWE contract. Now, let's point some things out here. One, (laughs) they've already established that these guys are from the Performance Center, and they're disgruntled because they don't feel like they've gotten a fair shake and made the money that they want to make. Wouldn't that mean they were already signed? Yes, that's exactly one point, Nick, is now they have two WWE contracts. They're getting paid they're also, double? I mean, good for them. Mad. One of like they keep cutting these very, you know, flowery promos about how, oh, if you take the money, you're tainted and we are the cure for this taint. <laughs> Wait, what? And they have this problem of people making money, so they have a particular beef against the hurt business who aren't doing anything for the sake of good. They're doing it for money. How dare you want money? 
we say as we sign with WWE and take money from them for a contract from this company that we want to destroy from the inside. It's the, it's the kind of logic that had Vince McMahon sacrifice his own daughter to The Undertaker, uh, but then he actually did it because he was the greater power, so he, wait, what? Also the same logic that made Vince McMahon inject poison into his own company by hiring the NWO after he had just beaten WCW with his company. Uh, what? It's it's the same kind of what the actual hell logic. Oh, yeah, Shane McMahon, if you lose to The Undertaker at WrestleMania, you're fired and I don't have to worry about you trying to take over my show. But since you beat The Undertaker at WrestleMania, here, here's a show. It's that same level of, uh, ah, my brain! My brain! <sighs> kind of logic. It, it hurts, Nick. It hurts so bad. There, what there, is the worst I, I, and thank you, thank you, Kyle, for pointing it out. It was Tom Phillips, not Michael Cole. Uh, and I don't even think it was Tom Phillips that said it. It was it. Uh, it was Saxton and and King last night. Whoever was doing it was doing the scariest Michael Cole impression. I swear to God. Well, I, I, I'm I swear sure to God Tom I Phillips has been to the Michael Cole Academy for, for for a long time. Oh, it wouldn't surprise me if he was a polyp that actually grew off of Michael <laughs> Cole, but <laughs> that then grew into a full grown man who likes to <laughs> f faces. Go look it up. But uh, but yes, Nick, there's <laughs> there's a lot of, 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 of there's a lot going on in chat right now. Maybe we should catch up real quick before we really yeah, lay into retribution. Yeah, I'm here. way behind. So okay, let, let's take up. let's everybody take a breath. <laughs> <sighs> T bar. I mean T bar. Come on. God. I, I, I won't on. lie. Go I, on. Do I actually it. laughed when they said slapjack. I I literally literal LOL when they said slapjack. Kyle oh. threw hundred bits and said raw. It's not just the show's name, it's a description for the amount of preparation is made for it each week. Hey. Hello. Thank you, Kyle. Chris stands through 100 bits and said, how about Rocky and Bullwinkle? I'm not sure what you were referring to there. Names for names for retribution, I'd imagine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he threw another 100 bits and said, slap nuts, training bra, and ace of bass. I, you know what? They're not, they're not Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles-y enough. <laughs> Right. Like, all of these sounds like rejected Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle bad guys. Yeah, like, instead of Shredder, you you could have had T-Bar. T-Bar. <laughs> it sounds like Casey Jones. It sounds like... And they've got the Casey Jones mask, kind of. Right. It's like a Jason... You, yeah. You know, yeah. I'm just saying. Uh, Abraham uh, dropping bombs with so a thousand bits. Said, love Tuesday nights with the BWO Nation. Thank you, Yes. Abe. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Abe. Mm. Love, love it. You too. Thank you, guys. Kyle with another 100 bits said it's appropriate we oh. start with Shakespeare. Since yes. one angle on Raw had a Romeo and Juliet-sized age gap. Wow. Uh, we'll get to that. <laughs> oh, we're getting to that. Uh, Chris with another 100 bits said, and why was King on commentary? Exactly! I thought we could, I thought we ended that. I thought we were done with King at this point. I guess not. I guess no. not. There is, there is no relief for King. And finally, Kyle with another 100 bits said, here's how bad the names were. Jerry Lawler, the man who gave Kane the Christmas creature gimmick and a bunch of other bad Memphis ideas, clowning them, T-Bar stands for That Boy Ain't Right. Which is the best explanation for that name I've heard. He actually I almost agree. sold me on it. I agree. It was if bad. Really it, bad. Yeah. That's, that actually made it better. <laughs> yeah. I Listen, I, I have... There's plenty to talk about. We could spend an hour talking about all of the fallacies with Retribution and their, like, I, is this their official debut? Because we're calling them names now and they've signed contracts and all of the other stuff kind of is in the past. I, I just, I don't know what to do with this timeline with Retribution anymore. I don't know. If I was in Retribution and WWE signed me to a contract 
and said, okay, we'll sign you to a contract, but you have to be known as T-Bar and Slapjack, I would have been like, yo, I'm just going to go back to taking a chainsaw to the ropes. Like, yeah, nah. <laughs> yeah, nah. Yeah, nah. Yeah, nah. Nah. I'm going to go back to just trashing the place. You can keep your contract. Um, but, you know, that being said, let's look at let's look at a little bit of the bright side. Okay. That's a really good, strong group of talent there. It is. The upside would be if they find a way to utilize them. Obviously, I'm being wildly skeptically optimistic with that uh, by assuming they're going to use them well. That being said, if they do find a way to use them well, they they have a group of people that could be could take that ball and run with it. Oh, sure. Uh, it's much better than the original retribution we were seeing, which was they found all of the shortest people at the PC and had them go out in masks and look like a bunch of angry teenagers on 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 Halloween, on 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 right. Devil's Night. You know what I mean? Right. Like that was embarrassing looking. This these guys look like they're a serious force. Yeah. So I'll give them that. My but, biggest uh, surprise of the whole thing of the whole night finding out the, how tiny me, Mercedes Martinez actually is. She's smaller than Mia Yim. I thought yeah. she, they've always portrayed her as this like giant monster. And I don't know if it's camera it's angles presence. or give it up for her for projecting I mean, that, wow. that that presence. I mean, I, I saw just, her face and I was looking at her and I was going that that's Mercedes Martinez. Like, yeah, I can tell. But she's not that small. That can't be Mercedes Martinez. <laughs> and it totally is. I, it was one yeah. of the it was one of my biggest takeaways from the whole thing. Uh, yeah, T bar. That was one of your biggest takeaways. Yeah, T bar and Mace and and Slapjack. But well, I was gonna what, say it doesn't help that she's standing next to some six foot seven beasts in right. Dijak and Dio. So right. anyway, so the it wasn't just Retribution didn't just come out once. They came out a few times, uh, and they mostly had beef. They started off the whole show coming out and. They got uh, into it right away with the Hurt Business. And this was a regular occurrence throughout the show. The Hurt Business and uh, Retribution tussling backstage, War of Words. And ultimately, we ended up in a three-on-three tag match for the main event of the show with uh, Cedric and Lashley and Shelton Benjamin Benjamin. versus, uh, (coughs) I can't even say it, Nick. (coughs) Help me. Mace, T-Bar, and (laughs) Slapnuts. Slapjack, excuse me, can't help myself. So, what was strange about this is Retribution is being unapologetically framed as being bad guys. They're heels. They're here to destroy WWE, screw the fans, screw everyone in WWE, et cetera, et cetera. But the Hurt Business, yes, they're being paid to do it, but they're coming out a bunch of dudes in suits and beating the ass of these, these Antifa protester wannabes uh, and looking like badasses doing it, standing up to them, saying, like, you're a bunch of kids who want to come and play, we'll play. Like, that's badass. But here's the thing. Hurt Business is also a heel team, and they proved that halfway through the show where Cedric Alexander randomly had a match with Apollo Crews and got beaten by him. Apollo snuck a roll-up in there, got a win, and then got beaten down by the Hurt Business outside and took a, a, a full Nelson from Bobby Lashley, got a hurt lock from Bobby Lashley, which, you know, we in- injured him before. And we know he's got a match against Lashley on Sunday. This was That was the only build for that match, was him barely beating Cedric Alexander, who's just coming off a heel turn and probably shouldn't be losing matches right now. But then going right into getting hit by Bobby Lashley again, that was the build. And they were being heels. But yet, they were like the conquering cowboys in the opening and closing segments of the show. What the hell is going on? 
I'm, I'm totally getting APA vibes all over again. They it started Which, out kind of a Healy faction, but they ended up yeah. turning out being the sort of outlaw good guys that always saved. Uh, you know, whether it was the but, damsel in distress or the underdog team that needed help, they uh, they would come out, and that was all. That was kind of their mo too. Sure, and I want to be, and they were mercenaries as well. And I want to be clear. I think hurt business is the best thing going in WWE right now. I agree. Full stop. Yeah. They are badass. They're cool as hell. They're taking a bunch of guys who were kind of slipping around, didn't have traction before, and they're giving them a purpose, and they're coming out on TV looking like a million bucks, uh, which is what they probably spent collectively on their clothes. So that's awesome. Bully for them. I'm really happy for them. But the inconsistent booking, the per- the people that hurts the most is the, the people that are going up against them. Yeah. Um, and that's fine in the case of retribution where you want to have good guys versus bad guys. But in the case of Apollo and Ricochet, it makes Apollo and Ricochet look even less interesting because the Hurt Business is so cool and so interesting. And Retribution is just so out there as an idea at this point. Like It was a concept that has had multiple times to possibly work, and they keep dropping the ball every time and bumbling it every time. Well, let's give them some names. We could come up with all kinds of cool things. Uh, no, this is what we get. Mason we could T-bar. give them all kinds of, of looks when they finally reveal themselves. No, we're going to do we're going to give them anime bane masks. You know, okay, fine. Uh, I I could see the masks working more than the names, but still the presentation has been bobbled every time. But still having them opposing the hurt business is not the worst idea in the world. It's just the execution that's questionable. Because once again, here you have a fairly good match going on. It's fairly even uh, between Retribution and the Hurt Business. But the ending comes when one of Retribution, I think it was Dijak, jumps in throws a random punch because he wasn't the legal guy. It's a DQ. Lashley had Slapjack in the Lashley lock or Hurt lock or whatever they're calling sure. it this week. And, 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 and all of a sudden... Because, like, how many times have we seen somebody interfere in a tag match or interrupt a pin? But because a, a person that's legitimately in the match touches the the legal man and is not legal themselves, the ref throws it out as a DQ. What? What is happening? Mm-hmm. And that's how we go off TV. Well, no, that's that's then all of a sudden retribution. A whole bunch of other little ninjas jump the ring. And then Drew McIntyre leads the charge out from the back. The entire locker room clears. We have a brawl, uh, everyone fighting retribution. Then Randy Orton suddenly gets Drew McIntyre with an RKO. We'll talk about Drew and Randy in a second. But that wasn't a conclusive match. We've had, we had so many DQ finishes on this show alone, let alone over the last few weeks, that to have another one, especially in such a seemingly random way, undercuts retribution's debut. This is, this is supposed to be their big debut of the main five, right? They should have and come out and absolutely beat down Hurt Business. Like, they should have absolutely just looked dominant. Like, insurmountable or, in a way that even the Hurt Business couldn't take Even them if they didn't, if the Hurt Business looked like they... I mean, because Hurt Business has some beefy dudes on it. It's got Lashley. Like, okay, if you want to have Hurt Business look like they were holding their own and, and Retribution had to, had to go to some heel tactics to win, fine. But you've got to make them look like a threat. Not just threatening. They can't just be all words, stupid words. You've got to give them more, and they they didn't here. No. And yeah, and I can't even say that the hypocrisy inherent in them signing a contract while being supposedly anti-capitalist. I can't even say that was intentional. That just seems like that was a dumb oversight as well, and going for the easiest possible explanation. Um, the only thing I could think is if they have, there's some twist down the road where their real leader is revealed, I'm the one that signed retribution, kind of thing. 
right? Yeah. So, again, the whole thing was the, the Cedric shouldn't have lost. Apollo getting beat down by Lashley before Sunday was the minimal amount of build possible for this rematch. Um, Hurt Business looked good for the most part, uh, and Retribution is a completely goofy idea that Honestly, like I'm really worried for the people that are involved in that because uh, invading factions have a bad history of not exactly doing well for the people that are in them. Very, very rare exceptions. The Shield being the most notable one. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it's Nexus, but <sighs> not really until worried. they broke them all up, and then it was really only one of them. Well, Nexus, know? Nexus was, of course, one of the biggest debacles. Well, of course. This, this has Nexus, Diet Nexus, Nexus 2.0 written all over it, in, in my opinion. Yeah, it's like but they took the worst parts Nexus of both looked and put really them dominant for the first few matches. They just yeah. couldn't even come to a finish on this one. Yeah. So, yeah. It's not that, a good look for Retribution, unfortunately. It's not really a good look for Retribution. It's also not a good look to have the same damn match ending for Keith Lee matches over and over and over again on your damn show. Keith Lee has so, faced So, I got to jump Jordan. in on you real quick, and we need a break to catch up. <laughs> Because oh yeah they, absolutely the, I'm on a chat, roll through chat this, has fired up a, a hype train on us oh let's go oh okay uh, I almost need the little bit of a uh, little bit of thing for myself here let's go all right so we'll we'll put in a hundred bits he said man do I hope they change the name of retribution to the T Bar Experience <laughs> <laughs> yes thank you very yes. much well uh, Chris Casanza threw in 100 bits. He said the only thing that can save this is having a huge leader like Punk or someone huge like that. I don't know. I don't know if it's even sa worth saving at this point, to be that honest would with be you. Like, that would be, that's like Uma Thurman in Pulp Fiction level of, of resuscitation for this right now, where it's pretty much dying, and yeah. you'd be putting a, a shot of adrenaline straight into its heart if you did that. Exactly. Uh, thank you very much, Chris. Uh, Kyle with 100 bits said, The talent in here is great, but this needs uh, an, an aces and eights level save job, and I don't think that will save it. Uh, I reference. honestly have want them to have to get Nexus to Nexus... Nexusist? Nexist? Nexist. Uh, and have all of them re-debut re under their old gimmicks like the Nexus with Bray and Ryback. Yeah, it, like, like Ian said a minute ago, this doesn't look good for any of the members that already were pretty well established, Dio aside. I mean, uh, and let's also talk about Kayfabe. If they're going to reveal that it's actually Dijak and Mia Yim, they're going to have to completely retcon all of their Kayfabe from NXT. Like, why even have NXT exist? Yeah, I agree. If you're going to completely hit the reset button. Like <laughs> I agree. Uh, Jay Wolf threw it 100 bits. Thank you very much. Says, I was expecting names of Laser and Blazer after hearing about this. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Lasers. And, of course, the E has to be a three. Right. Brian and, and threw it S, S is a five. Brian threw in 100 bits. Said they kept saying since they were under contract, Retribution should do, could do anything they want. Shouldn't it be anything the opposite? Under contract means you can be fined or suspended. Want. Except punch someone in a tag match. Oh, right. Then you're that. disqualified. You're out. <laughs> Morons. Esme dropping <laughs> bombs with a thousand bits. Oh. But, hey, folks. I will me. say the Hurt Business looks damn good in damn those suits. Good. Damn, son. Mm. Mm, I agree. Sight. Dick yes. heels in suits all day. All day. Mm. That's. And they, they look. I'm turning that off. Sorry. They, those look. They look <laughs> the <laughs> best since I've seen Bobby Roode as NXT champion as Dick Heel in a suit. Maybe Nick Aldis, but I don't know that I would call him Dick Heel in a suit. But I would. Uh, okay, sure. Uh, Chris Cassandra threw in 200 bits uh, just for cheer, cheer. I guess for the hype train. Thank you, Chris. Uh, Will threw in 100 bits. Hype train, baby. Woo! Gears of War reference. I don't play Gears of War. Sorry. Hmm? I don't get it. 
<laughs> uh, thank you anyway, Will. Uh, as we cheered a hundred more bits, says more like the sexy business. <laughs> <laughs> Only if they were fronted by Drew. The McIntyre. hurt me daddy business. <laughs> hurt, hurt me daddy business. Yeah, hurt there you go. Hurt, hurt me daddy. Hurt me. Thank you, Esme. Jesse threw in 300 bits for the hype train. Thank you very much. Esme threw in another 100 bits for the hype train. Thank you very yeah. much. Jesse threw in another 100 bits for the hype train. Thank you very much. And then she gifted a tier one sub to Esme. Aww. There is a lot of love yeah. going around in the chat love tonight, it. guys. Thank you guys very, very Thank much. Thank you guys for being here. Appreciate it. Uh, and bringing a positive spin to the end of that segment. That we had to aye, just aye, vomit aye. all over. <laughs> well, the problem is we have to move on and talk about Drew McIntyre yes. having another match against Keith Lee. Of course, last week it got interrupted. And guess what? It got interrupted again. Oh, right after Drew McIntyre hit the Claymore on Keith Lee. Randy Orton hit him in the back with a chair. Yay. Came out and cut a, cut a big old promo by the ambulance saying, yeah, you know, when I woke up in that ambulance after Drew sent me to the hospital, I thought to myself, this is what everyone I've ever done that to felt like. And you know what? That feels good because it means that I've I got to go back and be the old Randy Orton again and have this ambulance match with Drew McIntyre. Uh, and the ambulance means a lot of things to many different people. But to me, it means I'm going to be the, the 14-time WWE champion. Okay. So great promo from Randy, even if it did seem to come kind of out of nowhere. It's still a great promo. Fine. Great promo is a great promo. But why have the match? What it, what are we if we're just gonna if, if all of this is settling down to not be a triple threat and to be just Drew versus Randy mm -hmm. in an ambulance match, mm -hmm. then why in the hell have you been putting Keith Lee between them for the last month? Because if you wanted to make the man feel like a cog, a secondary piece to the main wheel, you've succeeded. You've made him feel like a big deal that's irrelevant. If he was relevant, he'd be in this feud. He'd be in this match. If he's not in the match, then he's not relevant yeah. at all. And that undercuts him and undermines him. And you, I mean, I can, there's no way I can say they haven't been pushing the hell out of Keith and putting the straps on him and, and, make, and make, uh, putting the rockets on him. Uh, and making him feel like a big deal, but this undercuts all of that. Having him DQ, having him be in matches that end in DQs for six out of the seven matches that he's been in. Are you kidding me? Or excuse me, uh, it's five out of the five out of the seven matches he's been in have been DQ finishes. One was a triple threat, which he wasn't involved in the finish, and one he beat Randy Orton. That's his record since coming to the main roster. That's horrible. Yep, that is. Like that's that's lazy. Feels like he's just a pawn and a chess piece in the Drew and Randy thing. So it, the match with him and Drew and all of that build and all of the fighting and everything was sure. all just a setup so Randy could come out and hit Drew with a chair to go well, into an ambulance out, match. And they kept telling us he's a big piece in the chessboard, but the less that he actually matters in this, the less he feels like a big deal. And it's the it's the worst. It's the worst way to book somebody if you're trying to make them exciting. Well, the only thing had, I can like, go ahead. Sorry, no, I just I was just gonna say like you tell us he's exciting, but then book him completely boringly. I and think, change his outfit, like, change his outfit every week. Still don't have his music. Yeah. like it just feels it feels like they brought that turkey out of the oven way too soon. It's raw on the inside. Yeah. Pardon the pun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think this is all to set up Randy taking the title off of Drew at Clash, and then we're gonna have Keith come back around for it. That's, that's there, there is that speculation online that yeah. the ambulance match is there to protect Drew if he loses. Yeah. But here's the thing. You know what protects him more? Having someone else in the match who's interfering in it. 
like Keith Lee. Yeah. Like there's a there's all kinds of ways you could protect Drew and still have Keith Lee be relevant. That's not an excuse. So yeah, it's unless this becomes a triple threat in the next five days, uh, the whole Keith Lee on Monday Night Raw thing so far, I'm going to give it a thumbs down. Uh, I'm going to ride it out because I think that what's coming in afterwards, if they do end up strapping Randy and then we go to a Randy and Keith feud and Drew's still kind of circling and we end up with that triple they've threat had, you want at, but before we get to the end of the year, I think that's going to be okay. weeks and weeks and weeks to set that up and it's I been understand. spinning its wheels, Nick. It's not like there's no waiting it out. The time has come. It's They should have done it by now. They don't need to spin their wheels in the mud this much every week. I, I think you could get a triple threat at Hell in a Cell and strap Keith. You could, but then why not build for that for then? Why are we doing all this Keith stuff now? He doesn't have to be out every week. That's true. I don't disagree with that. Mm. I under I think I understand what they're doing, but they're, it's not going I, over very well. If you can explain it to me better, then then please do. <laughs> no, it's just, it's just what I just said. Uh, it's all in somebody else's head. They think that this is the right thing to do, and it's not going over. Not going how they thought it would go. <laughs> I don't know if they thought anything. I don't. Even, I thought. I think they're just like, ah, we'll just do it again. It'll be fine. It keeps Keith in. The, I, I don't. I don't know if that level of thought was put into it. It feels like they're just doing it because it's easy. Yeah, agreed. And that's sad. Agreed. <sighs> yeah. Well, I, why don't you catch up here real quick? Because I've got a lot to say about the Kevin Owens show okay. and, uh, and <clears throat> Raw Underground. Couple Let's things. Uh, Kyle threw a hundred bits in. He says, if Keith Lee isn't being strapped to hell in a cell, what was the point of all this? This all feels like Ryback white hot up against Punk with no intention to strap him because of yep. already laid WrestleMania plans with the big legend, Edge. Ding, ding, yep. ding. Yep. Yep. Kyle, you win. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, Esme threw in a hundred bits said, would have liked to see a Tango and Cash relationship with Keith and Good Drew. Good reference. But yeah, very, very solid. Uh, but the chemistry isn't there. Like they are too scripted, if that makes sense. I would be, I'd be happy seeing a lethal weapon relationship. Shit, Riggs. Even. Shit. <laughs> I mean, I don't know who, I don't know who'd be Riggs and who'd be Murtaugh. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, neither one seems like they're too old for this shit, but you that's, know. that's right. Right. Maybe 48 uh, hours. Maybe I think 48 hours would be better. I don't know. Who, Thinking of Buddy Who's Cop Nick movie. Nolte? I, again, I don't know. <laughs> that was my Nick Nolte impression. That's, You're that's welcome. That's a hell of an impression. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much, Asby. Jess threw 100 chip bits in and says, I'm okay with seeing Keith Lee every week regardless. You know what? I kind of yeah. agree with that. Not bad. Not, yeah. No, you're not wrong. It's Because we all have to. I just... You know, it, I just we, want to ask in better booking. Is that so wrong? <laughs> God. All right, we're all caught up. Now we need to weigh in because uh, I think we both have a lot to say about what's coming uh, next. All right, so let's. We have to talk about the KO show. KO show featuring Shane McMahon, which, to their credit, they really, really dove into the convoluted and painful history between Shane McMahon and Kevin Owens and how they really just they just don't like each other and I like that I, I, I that was one of my bright spots for the show was being like that do that do that more often is reference wrestling past res, wrestling history the relationships that these characters genuinely have with each other in kayfabe that's good stuff and Kevin Owens saying I can't believe I'm having you on this show Shane given our history uh, and then Shane, when Kevin Owens starts getting lippy, calls out Dabakato because they're there to promote the main event of Raw Underground this evening, Dabakato versus Braun Strowman in the Battle of the Behemoths. And out comes Dabakato in, in not good wrestling attire <laughs> for a guy who's a final boss in a 
underground fight club. Right. Just not good attire for final boss. Uh, he comes out and uh, he says, I, uh, Kevin, I think you remember Dabakato. You might have some history. You were on uh, Raw Underground recently, and he wiped the floor with both you and Alistair in what I can only describe as a career hit job. And Kevin Owens went, yeah, I do remember that. And I, I, that'll happen. We'll figure that out later. I know you got Braun Strowman tonight, but here's something to remember me by. Slaps Dabakato in the face. Dabakato gets held back by Shane long enough for Braun Strowman to come out. The two of them get face-to-face. Shane tries to break them up, and while Shane's trying to keep them apart from each other to preserve his main event, KO gets hit from behind by Alistair and crotched on the ring turnbuckle about three or four times before Alistair just stares at him on the floor and we go to commercial. So. Now, where do we begin? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, let's talk about Alistair and KO because the Dabakato and Braun Strowman thing ends in Raw Underground, so I gotta, I, we'll finish with that and then discuss all of that. I want to be, be clear. Up to the point that we brought Dabakato out uh, and, and the, like you said earlier, retconning of history between Shane McMahon and, and Kevin Owens, I was kind of okay with this up until, reference. yeah, I was kind of yeah. okay with this up until this point. And it, uh, yeah, me too. I even didn't like when he's like, Dabakato's coming out. And I'm not going to lie, Dabakato came around the corner and out onto the, the, the stage. And I, I, my literally, out of my mouth, I went, oh, no. Because after seeing Retribution early in the night and how they're portraying them, and I was like, oh, that's kind of goofy, but maybe they can work with it. Then Dabakato comes out. We've always seen him as a jeans-wearing, tank-top-wearing, like, fight club guy. And here he comes out in this, like, floppy, black, sleeveless outfit with, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, chat, I couldn't tell if the colors were Brazilian. I believe they were Brazilian. I'm not actually sure where he's from. I do apologize. I have to check on that real quick. Mm. But um, Let's ask the Google machine. Okay, please. Where is Daba Kato from? Oh, it came up automatically. Uh, he's okay. from Poland? Really? What? I would, I would not have guessed Poland. Well, I don't think those were Polish colors, so that no. really makes no sense. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> all righty then. So now I'm really confused because the outfit looked like crap, and now it looks like crap and makes no sense. So, yeah, the, what? That, that's where things started going sideways for me, too. The Alistair attack on Kevin Owens. Look, I want those guys to have a match and kick each other's ass, and it'll probably be great because they're two great workers. I don't know what the sweet hell they're doing with Alistair with the, with the, <laughs> the blindfold. Um, I know he had legit eye problems, but I don't know why they're making that into a gimmick. Drew McIntyre is going to turn into Revolver Ocelot, and that's going to be the WrestleMania main event uh, next year. I'm not, I'm not mad at that, but then who's Big Boss? Mm. Anyway. Shane McMahon. Uh, right. Well, Vince McMahon can be the <laughs> silence because he's old enough. But right. anyway, the point nice. is is that uh, <laughs> yeah, we got, we, maybe not Gears of War. Metal Gear Solid, we've got the references. Oh, yeah. um, so, again, this is kind of a stop-start thing with Kevin Owens and Aleister Black, and I don't feel like it's gotten off the ground yet, and I want it to. But this definitely felt like, especially after getting whooped up by Dabakato, whatever it was a week or two ago, um, that really, to me, just kind of, that, that killed a lot of the, the, uh, the momentum, I hate to say it, the momentum of that angle. And I hope they can find it again, because I am interested in that angle. It just doesn't seem to be going anywhere right now. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about Raw Underground, because we did have the main event, Dabakato and Braun Strowman. And of course, this is after two other quote-unquote matches you can't call them matches because we don't see them begin 
And we see them end, but it's all so fast and there's no rhythm to it and there's no build to the matches. It's just kind of chaos until they come to a finish. It's some nice technical, like, ground wrestling sometimes, like what you saw with uh, with Dolph Ziggler versus uh, Howday, um, which ended in Dolph Ziggler winning, tapped him out. So, great. You've got another interesting up-and-coming guy who's just gotten beaten straight up by Dolph Ziggler. You had uh, Riddick Moss KO Eric from the Viking Raiders, which I can only assume is, is because they wanted Riddick Moss to get over, which you probably shouldn't have had him get his ass kicked by Braun Strowman if that was the case, but that's right. neither here nor there. Right. Um, and it looks like Eric from the Viking Raiders, because he doesn't have a partner for the next year, is probably just going to be jobber fodder until then, which is sad. Long live War Machine. But then you've got Braun Strowman coming in there and beating the absolute crap out of Daba Kato. It wasn't even really a match. Kato got in a couple of good hits, but it was Braun Strowman, Braun Strowman, Braun Strowman, and finally he mounts him and just pummels him with fists until it's over. So let's look at Raw Underground. The few stars that you managed to make here, I, I, would, I would count them on one hand right. that you've actually made people interested in. And probably the top of that list would be Riddick Moss, who won again this week. But one of them was Dabakato. I would throw was, Arturo Ruiz in there as well. Um, he's, how did? Yeah. 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 I, 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 I kind of see Sigler. him as maybe the second coming of Steve Blackman to an extent that he has the potential to be, but they're not. I don't think they're going to let him do that. No, too bad they don't have Al Snow anymore. But the point is, is yeah. that that they're not making new stars with Raw Underground. Yeah. I'm not even sure what the point of it is at this point. I don't know if they know what the point of it is. Why have Strowman come in? and beat one of the only interesting characters that they had in there, straight up, just murdered him. What? Cool. You've just taken away Davikato's mystique. You know how I complain that at some point we're going to have to move on from the four horsewomen of NXT? I, I think it's gotten more meta at this point. At some point, you're going to have to start building new stars. At some And yes, we've seen the rise of Keith Lee in the last three to six months in a way that I haven't seen anybody rise in a long, long time. But at some point, you're going to have to promote and put over your new stars and make us believe in them. Braun, but Braun didn't really, need to win this. They've been reticent to do that for 10 years, and that was what Paul was supposed to be doing on Raw until he got fired, was building new stars. And that's what he seemed to be working on. But then they fired him and went back to all of their old stars again. And apparently, that's actually not going well with NBC Universal. Um, apparently, they were fans of, of Paul Heyman. So USA is now actually the, the the guy who was like the big WWE executive there. He was the big fan of WWE. He's out now at the top. Um, and someone else has taken his place who's coming in and saying, wait, I thought you know, we're, we're okay with your ratings dipping a little bit because of your explanation that you're doing a bit of rejiggering, trying to build new stars. But then you fire the guy who you told us is going to do that, and now you're going back to your old stars, so you're not doing that, and your ratings are continuing to plummet. Um, and at a rate, that's consistent with the rest of TV, yes, but that's far ahead of the pack in the 18 to 49 demo. Yeah. And, and, and I'm not saying that's because they think names like Mace, T-Bar, and Slapjack are edgy and cool for the young crowd. I'm not saying that's why they're losing the 18 to 49, but I'm not not saying that. Right. I'm not saying that because they think that Raw Underground is somehow cool, but I'm not not saying that. Because looking at Raw Underground, if I were a, someone who was in the eight, my, like my 20s still, I'd be like, this is goofy. Especially if I could go watch something like Josh Barnett's Bloodsport 
or something where they actually did it, or, or go watch New Japan, something where they actually take it seriously and they put on actual matches and it's not this haphazard slap together thing like Raw Underground is where it doesn't seem to have a direction or a purpose and it's something that was obviously brought up in some sort of creative meeting. They threw out there before it was fully formed, half-baked, half-cooked, just like Keith Lee's current main roster career, just like Retribution, just like the number of other things they're doing on the show where it seems to be that they're just haphazardly throwing stuff out there without having an idea what the purpose is. Well said. <laughs> I'll, I'll loosely put Aleister Black into that same category. I will absolutely put him into that category. Yep. He stop start. They had an idea for him, which was stupid. Uh, having him being in a room and complaining about people not knocking on his damn door. Paul Heyman got a hold of him. And he started going places. Paul gets fired, and now all of a sudden he's he's solid snake with an attitude <laughs> to the point that he's even living the kayfabe and he wears sunglasses anytime he's on Zelina's stream. Again, I, I believe he has a real eye condition right now. Ah, uh, okay. So Some I, I believe the eye thing is is legit. He hasn't he doesn't want to talk about it. He said he doesn't want to talk about it. But that it is a legit injury. Gotcha. Uh, but it's freaked him out quite a bit. So, mm. yeah, that that is kind of scary. Yeah. Let me catch up real quick before we get going. Uh, Will threw in hundred bits. He says Polish Nigerian, so probably the Nigerian colors. I was going to suggest the African colors. Uh, some I felt African- they might be African or Brazilian. Yeah, but Nigerian. If he if he's of Nigerian yeah. descent, that would make a lot of sense. That, that green, black, orange. Uh, it's kind still of color compared scheme. to what we've seen him him in Raw Underground. It's a big step down from being this kind of gritty underground fighter, like final boss looking guy, yeah. to a guy who looks like he's he's wearing some of one man gang's cast off clothing. It's so, definitely not Polish because I mean Poland is like white, red, and white with an eagle, yeah, eagle right. on it or something yes. like that. Yeah, and that's definitely not what it is. Yeah. Um, and it's and again nothing nothing wrong with the colors, nothing wrong with the concept. It's the execution of the outfit itself looks bad on him. Yeah. Thank you very much, Will. Uh, Esme threw in 100 bits, said, I've been waiting for Alistair to hit, to have his moment in the sun. I have now expected that it's not going to, accepted that it's not going to happen. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I'm not there yet, Esme. I'm not, I'm not throwing in the towel just yet. I think it could be saved. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at this as it's a work in progress. And I, it's, a grow, it's growing pains for Alistair as well to an extent because I, I think they're going to eventually land on the thing that just shoots him to the moon. And it's going to be that sort of Undertaker-esque mystique. They're never going to get that supernatural kind of thing. I don't see it. And what worries me, they had him dialed in. Yeah, They've had so many people dialed in. The purpose of NXT is to be a developmental. You're developing their characters. You're teaching them how to be their characters. You're teaching them how to be something. They get over in NXT. They find a character in a presentation that gets them over. The idea is you then bring him to the main roster with this character and presentation that they've worked on and cleaned up and gotten to a point where it will get over with fans. But then Vince gets involved and redoes everything because he wants his fingerprints on everything. Just throws it and all it out. And it ruins all of that work. He throws it all away. And it's happened time and time and time and time and time again. And it's getting to the point where I understand why so many fans are pulling their hair out in frustration, where you get attached to a character in NXT... You get attached to a presentation, and then it's brought to the main roster, and it's scrapped, and you start over for whatever reason, whether it's a legitimate copyright issue like Keith Lee's music, but then not having any idea what else to do with him. Uh, Like, if Vince has a problem with him, have Vince come down to NXT and be involved with creating the wrestlers down there 
so that at least you know when they get to the main roster, they're going to keep being on that same trajectory and not a hard stop and have to have them figure everything out again. I think Vince still feels like NXT is is a triple-A farm team. Sure. And that the only thing they people watch otherwise. is Major League Baseball. Exactly. Yeah. Right? So, if, it, if it was really a third brand, they would have kayfabe and canon be kept across all three brands. If it was really well, a they third do for brand, the ones they want to do that for. They'd acknowledge title wins over there, which they only do when it benefits them, when they feel like it. Right. They would keep storylines across all three brands. It, it, it would make so much more sense business sense creative sense they had such an opportunity with oscar and peyton which we'll talk about here in a little bit to reference all the history during oscar's historic oh and legendary run in nxt as undefeated they, women's champion until and they not one well, word no it, uh, it was supposed to be oscar and shana like it's actually come out yes that was the plan and then someone came along and hot shotted shana into the tag division and and you you could have referenced so much stuff between shana and oscar even if you don't reference any past matches they've had, oh, and NXT, they were the two longest reigning women's champs. The match that we never got to see. Yeah. Right? So many ways to build it as a promoter. And these guys are Vince is supposed to be the best promoter of all time. Give me a break. Kyle with 100 bits said, who would have bet money that Zelina Vega would be the first to get a title shot on Maine out of the couple of Black and Vega? What is going on? Cats and dogs living together? Mass hysteria. Uh, I never would have guessed that. Yeah, I never would have guessed that. Esme <laughs> uh, threw in 100 bits, said, well said, Sir Ian. I'm not sure in reference to what. You said a lot. I don't know. I said a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I went off. I'm sorry. Uh, all good. Uh, let's go over. So I, the last thing that I, I, I think I already said my piece on, on, on the, the Dabakato thing. Uh, I was really upset. And you guys know what a Braun Mark I am. I was really upset that Braun couldn't lay down to to kind of take one for Dabakato here to really put him over. Like, or don't have a finish. They've had enough non-finishes on the show. Right. What's one more going to hurt when you got six of have them Have them both tear the plays apart. Yeah. Right? They go to the outside. Other people get involved. They tear down, like, all this bronze tearing down stuff and, you know, pu- have him pull down a, a rack off the wall. Whatever. Have him trash the place. You're telling me Stupid Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa can go through the entire performance center and destroy it, but you can't. You've got these two kaiju of men. Yes. That won't that, that won't hurt anything. They should be going through walls with each other. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> exactly. this. Should, if you want it to be a battle of the behemoths, <laughs> I want to see fire coming out of their mouths. <laughs> this wasn't a battle of the behemoths. This was a battle of two big dudes blowing each other out, trying to throw punches. Right. right. And, and one punch takes him down. Yeah, that's it. Oh, okay. Right. Uh, it was. Ugh. I yeah, want so to much love you both of this. these men. I, you guys know I love the big beefy boys, big men doing big boy things. I, it just wasn't a good look. Braun could have taken down. this one. It was a big letdown let all around. Yep, yeah, indeed. So, also a letdown to find out that yes, indeed, Seth Rollins and Rey Mysterio's feud continues. Well, I, it's it is. It's not a letdown if you're man, a fan of Nick booking. I'm just I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah, well, uh, I think we know my thoughts on Nick booking, and right now, if this is the, your definition of Nick booking come, coming true, I hate Nick booking even more. I want to kill myself. I'm so ready for this to be done. <laughs> it has had some highlights. We've had some matches that were really good. We've had some aspects of this that were really good. But by God, it's been going on for more than six months, and I want the pain to stop. But it didn't. But it didn't. Now we've brought the whole Mysterio family in. Let's let's start at the top here because we had a a tag team triple threat for the number one contendership to the Street Profits. Um, 
Wow. We had two what teams we've team? never seen before, right. and we had one team that's literally faced them 1,800 times in the last two months alone. <laughs> uh, you had Dominic Mysterio teaming up with Humberto Carrillo, uh, Seth Rollins and Murphy, which you knew was going to be trouble, and then uh, a Zelina-less uh, Angel Garza and Andrade, who apparently are back on the same page now, I guess, because that stops and starts every freaking week. Right. Um, so we have a triple threat, and ultimately Seth walks away from Murphy, says, I've got stuff to do. Murphy gets his ass beat, and with Dominic and Carrillo on the outside, Garza and Andrade win it again and will be facing the Street Profits this Sunday. Are you freaking kidding me? You talk about repetitive booking and decreasing, diminishing returns. This is the textbook definition. What possible new angle could they have on this other than Zelina's now gone from these two? Sure. Uh, is there any way? I mean, could, could they, if they pivot this and put all the blame on Zelina and that she didn't know how to run the team and all that kind of stuff, you know, they, they undercutting could. Undercutting nine months right. of her booking and also the entire purpose for having Andrade in the main roster. Like, he, that was that package, him and Zelina, was the winning package that took him to the main roster. And you couple Oscar uh, and her antics throughout 2020, MVP and everything that he's done. Zelina Vega, I count her right there alongside them as the ones that have carried the brand yes. for the year. And just now, now all of a sudden you're going to tell a story that because she's not there, they get a win? And if they win on Sunday, then that doubles down on that? Exactly. It's bizarre, and they haven't told the story of now they're on the same page. Oh, well, because Zelina left, now we figured out our differences. They didn't tell that story at all. So it's just it's random, and it makes me really not give an absolute crap about this match, especially because Street Profits are riding high off of beating Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro last week for no reason. Yeah, like why would there you do that no at Clash of Champions? You had, to have, you had to sacrifice the champions of one brand against the champions of another. Absolutely zero booking sense. The uh, you know I I love saying when WWE does some, does something right, but my God, the booking on Raw has been absolutely abysmal. Like to the to the point where I I don't know if they truly are thinking week to week. Mm. It feels so haphazard and thrown together. I think that's the point. Uh, that's what I that's I think I've said this before. I think they're looking at a show in a self-contained kind of way. They're not looking week to week to week to week to week. And the only way that I think the way that they're looking at it is if a viewer has never watched a Raw or they don't want to make it a prerequisite to have to have watched the last six Raws in order to enjoy this show. So they'll throw video packages in there to sort of glue things together haphazardly. I'm not making excuses for them. I'm I'm taking a guess at what might be going through that crazy old man's head. That makes even less <laughs> sense. That's the least sense I've heard. Why, okay, well, well, maybe we'll get new viewers every week. <laughs> maybe we won't have return viewers who can. Uh, let's make our three-hour extra-long show that much more like it's it's not going to be something that goes from week to week there's no no consistent stories to bring you back no there's no way that's actually what's going on there's no way let's have the same thing happen over and over and over again no there's, there's no no that they're not thinking that's they're thinking this is it's okay we're making it work like yes it's a bit chaotic right now but we're making it work that's what it feels like is they're they're proud of what they're putting out you know, it, it feels like because they've been doing it for so many weeks in a row now, 
without altering it, without changing those those things that we're seeing, those 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 issues that we're seeing on the show. Like right now, Raw is abysmal, it's and bad. it has been for a couple of months. Oh, ab- you know, about since all of Paul Paul Heyman's ideas ran out, and Pritchard's too busy to take over. It's it's where Raw has really started to flounder. And it's it's crazy to watch SmackDown, which actually seems to have some cohesion and some ongoing entertaining stories, now be the more interesting show. And it's got its issues, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But it's head and shoulders better than Raw right now. And we're only halfway through Raw. We haven't talked about the the speech that Seth gave later on. Well, hang on, let me catch up real quick. Costanza with 100 bits that said, I'm with Ian, get this out of my eye holes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I agree. Thank you, Chris. Uh, Kyle threw in 100 bits. He says, honestly, the Ray Familia telenovela stuff at this point is all that is keeping me watching Raw. Oh, okay. That's really interesting. I'm actually really happy to hear that. Um, Re- reference the more- Eddie drama. Go full-on yeah. cheese. At least it's an entertaining bad. I just need Angie to faint and say, Dios mio. <laughs> <laughs> so Nick Booking, I'm all in on just to enjoy Raw and mark out on the Eddie references. Also, for the love of God, strap Garza and Andrade and end of this feud. No more yes. Street Profits win, lol. That's actually, I do want to end it with that. Now they have to strap. They have they to do. strap. They really do. If they don't, it is apocalyptically bad booking. Yeah. And Th- there's there's no excuse for it. Yeah. Thank you, Kyle. Uh, also, Jesse threw in 100 bits and said, Ian, be salty today. I am. I am full of salt. Put me in, put me in the goat pen. I'm a salt lick. I'm I'm all kinds of salt today. Well, and I, it's because I want it to be better. I, I I've got a little not even a speech, but I've got something I just want to say at the end of Raw. Okay. About it, like one of the reasons I'm so mad is because I want it to be better, and it could and should be better, and that's why I'm mad. But we'll get to that in a second because I want to get through all of all of Raw first. Let me say one more thing. I agree with Kyle here to an extent. If we turn, if this becomes a Romeo and Juliet between Murphy and and Aaliyah. And at the same time, we're also getting the you're not my real dad Dom thing. We end up with Ray versus Dominic at some point in some kind of crazy match that will probably be fantastic with the two of them facing off with each other. I'm, I'm here for it. I'm in. But that doesn't seem to be what we're getting. What we're getting is Seth Rollins coming out later in the show with an envelope with some papers in it and calling out the Mysterio family after a long droning monologue. Um, Mysterio family comes out, all four of them. And he says, you know what, Ray? Here's a picture of you and your son. Uh, look at the son. Look at Ray. Look at the son. The same joke we make here all the time in passing. But no, they went and, they went and made an angle out of it again. I, uh, I want to know more, which I mean, one of you are the mole. I'm serious. But it's, it's, it, it's the thing because, you know, back when we had Eddie Guerrero saying, I'm really Dominic's father, Dominic was a kid. And it was a trashy angle. But everyone remembers it because it was Eddie and Ray. And they made gold out of it. But here Seth comes out and says, oh, well, I've got this paternity test for Dominic. And it says, Ray, you are not the father. (laughs) And Ray's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard it all before, Seth. It's not going to work. You're not going to break up our family. It's not going to work. And Seth said, well, you know, maybe it's not the son. Uh, Maybe it's the daughter that's not really your daughter. I mean, first of all, one, look at her. And second of all, would your daughter reach out a hand to Buddy Murphy? Sounds like she's betraying the family a little bit there. And Ray's like, no, 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 no. I taught my daughter to be a caring person. She doesn't know how it is. She doesn't know this world that we're in. Uh, and She's just his a daughter, naive 19-year-old. Naive 19-year-old girl. And she gives him a look like, the hell? Monster. And, uh, and then she, <laughs> she storms off to the back. Angie goes after her. And Ray turns to Dominic and goes, what? What did I say? What? 
He runs off to the back, too, and Dominic gives death dagger eyes to Seth and walks off, too. And Seth goes, man, I'm, I'm so sorry, guys. I, I didn't want to drive a wedge into your family. I'm, I'm so sorry. This is something that you know, families go through. Perhaps even those of you in the audience have families that this happens to. I don't know what the point of that like Saturday morning special was of the ending of this, but uh, trying to relate. But th- here's the problem. I was waiting for a Murphy surprise attack. I thought that's what he was stalling for. But no, bit. instead we have Ray in the back trying to apologize to his daughter and his daughter saying, dude, I've been here with you through this entire thing. I know how this works. I get it. But I'm just a 19-year-old, innocent, naive girl to you. I get it. And she storms off again. And she's crying in the corner, and Murphy finds her. And at first, she's scared, and he goes, no, 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 I'm sorry. The stuff with Seth's gotten really out of hand. If I've done anything to hurt you or your family, I'm sorry. And then he leaves and leaves her there crying. That whole end part was interesting. Obviously, we're not going to give anyone any Oscars for their acting here, but it's fine. It's WWE. We can excuse that. Again, like they were saying, it's telenovela stuff. And yes, that stuff was interesting. The Seth stuff went on way too long. Largely probably because we've seen Seth come out and talk to Ray and about Ray for months and months and months and months and months. If we'd had this months ago, I'd be way more into it. That being said, Nick, as you said, if we're going into Seth Rollins, you know, is it I know Dog Ziggler, it it I'm getting to that part. If we're going to if we're going into Seth questioning paternity of the kids, if we're going into Ray's kids turning on him, particularly if we're going into a romance angle between Murphy and Aaliyah. Um, there's there's stuff there. I think Dog Ziggler wants the ladder match between Dom and and Ray. No, Dog Ziggler does not want that because <laughs> he's not he's not Nick booking. This Dog Ziggler booking. He's gonna remember he the to, ladder match between his real he's, father he's and already, his fake father, and now he wants a shot at his fake dad look, in a Dog ladder Ziggler, match to honor his real father. No, yes! stop it! Stop Nick booking. <laughs> Let it die. Dog Ziggler may be an Indiana dog, but he's he's born he's raised in California. Born in Indiana, raised in California. That dude loves him some telenovela stuff. He wants to see the I porque Murphy, mi corazón. <laughs> ah. Monstro. Yeah. Monstro. Uh Chris threw in a hundred bits. Said thank you, thank you very much, Chris. He said, This is so good. And the smile at the end on the ramp. Mwah. Agreed. That that little cheeky grin that he that Seth gave after he gave that speech and mm. walked up to the top of the ramp and like it's working. Right. <laughs> if this know. ends in anything other than Seth versus Ray again, you, you got me. If this is Seth versus Murphy, if yeah. this is, uh, you, as you said, if it's Ray versus Dominic, uh, that's some convoluted ways to get there, but okay. Yeah. Um, just no more Seth and Ray. No. I'm good. We're good. No, Seth and Dominic. Okay, we're good. We've seen it. We've seen it. Move on. Find something new. Um. Aaliyah will not be wrestling, uh, according to every report I've read. So she's just going to be an actress for WWE? Valet for Murphy. Fine. Uh, I think Murphy might have a crisis of conscience, and she might get involved or get struck or something, and he'll defend her honor or something. Can we point out the fact that Murphy's in his 30s and she's 19? And? Love is love, (laughs) man. You know? Yeah. Velveteen Dream, is that you? Oh, come on. Yo, you come on. Uh, Jesse threw in 100 bits. Says, I feel like uh, this Seth versus Ray thing is going to go until Becky has her baby and Seth leaves for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're say, you probably December. Right. You might be right. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. I could see it. I, I'm scared of it. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know if I can make I it see, that far. 
it's sad because I think the Messiah is a great character. It's really cool. It's unique. Seth, I think, knocks it out of the park. We just haven't seen it be used appropriately. Like it was the best when it when he had a whole bunch of disciples, right? When he was feuding with everybody and he was commanding them where to go and he was this mastermind. Now it doesn't feel like anything special. And it should because it's a really cool character. But I think it's I think it's one of those characters that's going to be relegated to the underrated bin of history. Yeah. Because it's never it, it has not been used right. Hasn't been used well. I, I'd be anxious to see if if they do flip Murphy around and it, we end up with Seth and Murphy. I'm I'm here for that all day. All, all day. You yeah. give me Seth and Murphy. Give me Murphy having a face turn and and, and having an interesting character arc. Yeah. All day. Give me that. Yeah. The yeah. the redemption angle. You know the 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 the, the, the I don't know. I could write that stuff all day. I, I love that kind of stuff. Um, that is a good point. I I, I want to break in. Yeah, They're yeah. questioning in the chat. Uh, what the, the age difference was between Triple H and Stephanie when they did that angle. Mm, I feel like I, he was early 30s, she was 20, 20-ish. Yeah. There, there is a 10-year gap between them. Yeah. Well. We're not talking about Macho Man and Stephanie. 10, We're talking about Triple H and Stephanie. 10 and 12-year <laughs> gaps is one thing. A 19-year-old girl is a whole other thing. I'm throwing that out there. That's just, that's just a little awkward in this particular day and age. Jacob confirmed eight years apart. Sorry. Yeah, I knew okay. it was about ten. That's still that's still better than whatever it is, thirty-two or thirty-three-year-old Murphy and nineteen-year-old Aaliyah. That's a little bit questionable. A little questionable. Let's talk about the women's division. Asuka. Asuka faced Peyton Royce. Zelina got involved. Zelina beat Mickey James earlier in the evening. In another example of of misuse of a legend, you can. Uh, Zelina Vega is she will now be facing Oscar at Clash of Champions. We we almost had Natty, we almost had Shayna Baszler, we almost had Mickey James, but instead we're getting Zelina Vega. Uh, there was a report that even came out that last week, when booking the show and booking Monday Night Raw, Vince forgot that Bianca Belair and Peyton Royce existed. Two women that on a a a, a call, um, publicity call earlier this year, he said were the futures of the women's division. Interesting. Um, Bianca did get a nice little, uh, uh, what would you call like a little promo package this week, and so did Mandy. They're both coming to Raw because the division is apparently pretty strapped right now. Um, Can't imagine why. You're putting one of the yeah. top prospects into a tag team with freaking Nia Jax. <laughs> Who's also could be going for the title picture. But uh, but Peyton Roy and Asuka put on a pretty snappy little match here until Zelina got involved. I wasn't mad at it. Honestly, it made me think. Anybody who's a, but Zelina would have been a more logical opponent for Asuka. Because Asuka, at this point, has an aura of being nigh unbeatable. And Zelina, I don't think, has ever really won a match straight up. And they've always built her as being someone who could wrestle, but just didn't because she wasn't that good. Essentially like a Latina Lana. Yeah. Who was the one who ate the pin here. Oh, sorry, then that's the next match. We'll get to about Lana next. I'll, we'll get there. Uh, that's a whole other thing. But um, I'm was not mad at how this went down. I hate that they didn't. They don't give lip service to the history between that Peyton Royce was one of the no, number con, top contenders for Oscar's title that she constantly beat, and this could have been Peyton's opportunity to get that back. Uh, they could have told that whole story. But I, I, I want to talk about the elephant in the room. What okay. the hell is going on with Billy Kay? Why is she still? She just broke up with her, beat her down. They they broke up the tag team. She's still floating around like a best friend. Yeah, and now I mean, she's ringside as her valet. Just because we broke up doesn't mean we can't support each other. That was the worst ever. We don't I'm need to waste a lot of time on that. I just wanted to call attention to that. That, 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 was, that was just stupid. Sorry. 
But it makes very little sense. It shows how little of a plan well, they had. It makes had perfect sense on this Raw. When they broke it up. <laughs> when they broke them up. Yeah. But uh, so, yeah, Zelina's facing Asuka. She got, you know, she, she beat up, uh, she, she attacked Asuka at the end of this match to force another DQ finish. And we're getting Asuka and Zelina uh, on this weekend. We also had someone who was supposed to face Asuka, Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax, facing Lana and Natty again. And once again, Lana tapped out, or she got. T- she was the one who got taken out very quickly in the match, under five minutes. Shayna Baszler taps her out, and Ra- the Riot Squad, who were facing Shayna and Nia this weekend, were they were at commentary, which was a debacle, by the way. They were horrible on commentary, and no. I love the two of them. I think they're talented, but I don't know what happened there. But after the match, Nia and Shayna get up in their face, try to try to smash them through the announce desk. Uh, Nia grabs Liv. And Shayna starts clearing off the desk. Liv gets away with help from Ruby Riot. They go hide over in a corner. And so Shayna and I just go grab Lana and put her through the desk again, which really makes it hard not to think that they're doing that as a way to kind of flip their finger at Rusev or Miro. Right. Makes it really hard not to think that's some sort of petty thing. Have, have Lana get jobbed out twice in two weeks and put through a put table through a twice. Table twice. <laughs> and then post on their Twitter message, message received. Uh, ugh. But uh, is this is it undermining everyone here? You know the tag the women's tag division is aimless normally. They had a bit of, of a purpose for a while there, but now it seems like you've got these dominant champs. You don't have any teams that are ready to face them. Um, the Riot Squad looks like they're hopelessly outmatched. You're having them squash Lana and Natty. Uh, is this doing any good for anyone here? No. Which is really that's my which is really that's my bottom line with any kind of booking. No. Is someone's got to get over somewhere. Agreed. And you've got this thrown-together tag team. You're trying to make it, like, hipster cool in a way because they hate each other, but they work well together. And are they trying to do a Hangman and Kenny thing, but with women this time? And they, but, but even more, like, mean girlish, where they just they, – uh, they, they don't even want to raise each other's arms in, a vic, in victory. Yeah. But, uh, no, don't touch me. Uh, but I we like still that. win. I like the dynamic between Shayna and Nia. Do more of it. Let's see more of it. I've, I've, I've dug it all so far. Um, but it's just they're not giving enough time of that. Like that's interesting character stuff. Give us more of that. That odd couple dynamic. When it works, it works. I think it could totally work with them. But we need to see more of that and have more of that be a story. And there's there's nothing here for them. Yeah, the last thing I want to see more of is Nia Jax. Sorry. It was well, that's you. Yeah, and your predilections. But you know, again, that little moment where they wouldn't raise each other's other's hand. That's a performer making a decision. That's character-based. I don't think that was in the script, but that was a really good call on Nia's part if that was something that she came up with or if that was something they decided on the back or however. That, that was good. That was one of the most interesting aspects of the whole thing is, ah, uh, yes, they're not, still not on the same page. Mm. Chris stands so. through in 100 bits, said, do you think Lana Thank going you. through a table two weeks in a row is anger against Miro Day? I'm not saying it isn't. <laughs> I will Wouldn't neither confirm him. nor deny. Yeah, I would not but put yes. it past WWE. If, if he's coming out on AEW and making brass ring references and you know taking pot shots, yeah, maybe they're throwing some back. And you know, fair dues. Fair dues. He's not exactly it's, putting someone's significant other through a table. Yeah. With the biggest woman in the in the division. So I I don't know. AEW, the company, isn't burying him because Lana said something about AEW on WWE. Exactly. There you go. I'll just I'll put it that way. Right. 
couple more things on Raw. Uh, R-Truth, actually, there's one more thing on Raw here. The 24-7 Championship, which has gone from being kind of a goofy belt to a straight joke. Uh, <laughs> R-Truth brought little Jimmy to the beach, but Tozawa and our ninja referee beat him there and decided to wait for him in the ocean, which was a bad idea, as apparently there was a, a shark, or at least a shark fin, floating around in about three feet of water. And, uh, <laughs> and R-Truth, uh, realized there was a shark in the water, was so scared he lost the belt, dropped the belt into the ocean. So the ocean, for a very short period of time there, was your 24-7 champion. Uh, luckily, somewhere around there, the, uh, the shark declined to become the 24-7 champion, and instead, the ocean uh, forfeited the championship back to our truth In the meantime, truth did find a washed-up, tore-up ninja attire and uh, we are led to believe that Akira Tozawa has been eaten by a shark. I was so in love with this. Really? Oh God! This this is this is my shit right here. It hurt my brain a little bit. It's, I'm not gonna lie. It was amazing. This this is the kind of stuff. This is these are the kinds of like this is some of the funniest stuff I've seen. Right? Exactly. So I get is Akira Tozawa has been consumed by a shark. He is he is no longer a leader of a ninja gang. He he is done, and and if, want, if they had had whatever fake shark fin thing, if they had had the shark fin have the twenty four seven championship on it yes. as it swam away, yes, I you might have had I to put a straight jacket that. on me and put me in a loony bin because I that would have been the funniest out, shit I'd ever seen. I want to point out that me saying that the ocean became the temporary twenty four seven champion sh champion yeah. is me trying to make this more entertaining than it was. Yeah. That would if we had an announcer, if we had a ref jump on the ocean and start slapping the ocean yeah. and count the three, then this segment I would have put this as one of the top segments of the year. But because it felt so haphazard, uh, and 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 half assed, I, I wasn't able to get into it as much as you were, Nick. Because I was like, this should have been. You could have gone completely gonzo with this. Have the shark win the title. Yeah. You know, having Tozawa get randomly eaten by a shark would be funny. You know, uh, maybe he's injured and has to go away for a while. Maybe they're done with the ninja gimmick. I don't know. Fine. But, oh. yeah, have this go even crazier. Like, I'm sorry, bringing back R-Truth's little invisible friend is not, that's not as entertaining as really going gonzo with the 24-7 championship. I, I, I loved every bit of this. I just I, that's all I want to say. I love antics like this. I love little skits like this. And as many people have said before me, our truth is a national treasure, and he needs to be protected at all costs. That man is doing some of the best work of his career. I absolutely love it. I, I thought this was hilarious, and I could not control myself from laughing during the whole thing. I, I will agree. The guy is is I think pound for pound the most entertaining person in all of WWE. Yeah. So, so let's talk about Raw as a whole here. I want to get. I know you wanted to get on your podium, so go for it. I got a little soapbox moment. Yeah, and that is just to address why I'm so salty today about Raw. Because again, I I would rather be here praising Raw than burying it. I I, I much prefer the shows where we come on and we are man. WWE was good this week. Oh, this this was good, and this was good, and this was good. I way prefer those, but when when I watch this show and I'm pulling my hair out because of inexplicable use of extremely talented people and ridiculous, not well thought out booking that gets nobody over, it makes me insane. And the thing that makes me the most insane about it 
isn't that I'm sitting here, be, you know, bemoaning the fact that they're doing the wrong thing. It's that they're doing the wrong thing when they have so much potential to do the right things. Yeah. Retribution in and of itself is not a bad idea. Even their look is not a bad idea. But the execution and the way that they actually landed it and, and brought it to us on the show, whether it's the names, whether it's how they're having them you know, interact with the rest of the roster, how they're being booked, terrible. The idea of having Braun Strowman come into Raw Underground and face Dabakato, great idea. Raw Underground in general, that's an idea you can work with and make some good stuff out of. They're doing a terrible job with it, and Braun Strowman and Dabakato was a massive disappointment. And it goes up and down the card. I, I don't want to go through and, and you know list off everything that happened on this Raw, everything that's been happening on Raw, but it goes from everything, from, from Keith Lee to, to Asuka. It's everything. And it's, it's insane because I'm sitting here going, you have such insanely talented people. You've had people that have shown they can make angles work, people that have had angles that have worked. You've had angles that you've made work. And then you've taken those and you've spun them off into ways that do not work, that are not going to help you raise up your, your ratings. They're not going to help you make more money. They're not going to make these people more popular. They're not going to get them over. It's all things that are going in the wrong direction. It's like when you watch a movie that could be so goddamn good, but they screw it up. And you're more mad at that than a movie that's just bad. And that's why I'm so frustrated today because this Raw, I saw so much potential. I saw so many good things. And so many of them were just bungled. Yeah. And, was, and there's no reason why it should be bungled. There's no reason. Multi-million dollar company, billion dollar company. How many creative people running around there? How many people that are creative, that have creativity in them, and yet they can't make this show work with all that talent and all that money? Inexcusable. Jess threw in 100 bits for, for R-Truth. Salute to R-Truth. I agree. Thank Salute you very much. R Indeed. Uh, the only thing I'll, I'll come back on you and say, and I'll agree with you, is that you can have the biggest cast in the world with the biggest budget in the world, and you can still make a shit film. Batman and Robin. Great example. <laughs> Great example. And yeah. it, it's... It, when you when when someone is gets so sure of themselves that they can't do anything wrong, that's where pro and they don't they don't have checks and balances, which is what the creative team should be. You know, the creative team should be writing this stuff, and Vince should be the check and balance, yep. not the other way around. And then you the have to surround week. yourself with with glad handing yes men, yeah, in order to validate the things that you're doing. You know, in a self validating kind of way. That's the that's the core problem here, man. Is just there's there's nobody. Oh yeah, it's a great idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah do that. Yeah, yeah. Right. You don't have Braun set one punch double kick. Oh, that'll do wonders for him. Yeah, let's do that. So I I agree with you, man. I, and I I would much rather come on here every single week. And I, and we have before. You know what? I want to be surprised and upset that Raw was bad. I want to expect every time I yes. watch Raw or SmackDown that. I want to sit, settle in with my popcorn and my snacks and my pillow and my blanket and get ready for an amazing Raw. That's my problem, though, Nick, is I always expect it to be good, and then when it's not, I'm disappointed. Even though I should, at this point, be coming into this with tempered expectations, I yeah. always want it to be good. And that's one thing I really want to, to, to drive home. And anyone who's listening to the show for the first time, and you're sitting there going, man, these guys are really bagging on Raw. They hate WWE. I don't hate WWE. 
I love WWE. There's, I, there's a lot of things I hate about I've it. Spent half my life watching WWE, but overall, More. I want it to be good. Exactly. Like I want it to be good. Yeah. And when it's not, I get frustrated. I want to get back. It should be. I want to get back to the days where I want to have ten people over, order a hundred dollars worth of pizza, have drinks, and be excited to sit down and watch a three-hour show. Yeah, and not be embarrassed if I have a friend over. Yeah, I'm, I'm watching WWE. Yeah, I'm, I'm watching. Raw. That's really the, that's 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 the litmus <laughs> test, isn't it? Like, if you watch a segment, if you watch a segment on the show, would you be proud to show it to somebody who came to your house? That's a good point. Like, hey, check out what I'm watching. Yeah. Exactly. Kyle threw 100 bits in said, Raw is the only purely Vince-run show, and it is apparent. SmackDown, NXT, great. Raw looks like it is run by a senile old man. From what I understand, he's he's he runs all the shows, but he there's just no there's no one else running it out underneath him. There, there's no showrunner like kind of collating everything and then bringing it to him yeah. like there was when there was Paul and like you have over on SmackDown. So that's from what I understand. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little more haphazard as a result. Yeah. So... But goodness gracious, Nick, that was a whole lot of raw. That was a whole bunch of salt, as Jesse said. And she's not wrong. Yeah. A lot of salt. But you know what salt's good on? Steak. Ooh. You know what was the steak of wrestling this week? That lovely tournament over in New Japan known as the G1. So let's go talk about New Japan. Sorry, Ian Dangerous, I know you were on vacation this week. Were you able to consume the first two nights of the G1? I didn't just consume the first two nights of G1, Nick. I consumed it more than once and uh, enjoyed every bite. Ladies and gentlemen, here's here's the part of the show where Nick and Ian mark the hell out. Yes. We're about to mark the hell out. Yeah. Because Oh, which reminds me, speaking of being a mark, I'm going to bring... Oh, it's Gerald. eh, Yeah, I've got to bring all... The cat down here. Yeah. So, okay. The G1 started off. We had night one and two, the first night of A Block, the first night of B Block. If you have not watched these shows, go check them out if you would like. Uh, they it's are up. $8. The English, the English commentary is up now. Um, matches to go check out. Like the, the best matches so far Suzuki and Ishii, Ibushi and Okada from night one. Um, and I would say Naito and Tanahashi from night two. But really, there weren't any bad matches. There have not been any bad matches so far. Every match is very watchable. And that being said, going forward, we are going to deal in spoilers. So if you haven't watched them and you want to watch them, just know that the next like 10 minutes or so of the show, we're going to get into some spoilers about the G1. We're going to talk about who won uh, on each of the shows and what that means going forward and all kinds of other fun stuff. So if you haven't watched them, you want to check out the G1s, but you haven't yet, uh, you can go check them out again. Uh, night one, Suzuki and Ishii was the third match, and Ibushi and Okada was the fifth match, the last match. And the last match of night two was Naito versus Tanahashi, which is, I think, Nick, we can safely say the best match so far of the two nights. Easily. Easily a five-star match. It was magical. Yep. Um, so let's t- let's go down the list here, Nick. Let's talk about night one of the G1. Will Ospreay has returned. His theme song is still stuck in my head as of this moment. Uh, he defeated Yujiro Takahashi, the Tokyo pimp. Pretty handily. Who, well, yeah. I not as the squash as we predicted. No. Um, but he still beat his ass. But once he got into his rhythm there at the end of the match, I mean, it didn't last much longer than five, five six minutes. I, I, I wasn't yeah. counting, but it didn't feel like it lasted very long. It was kind of a one, two, three, pin, and we're done. And Will's standing tall gives a speech. And just just so you know, the the reason that Hiromu's cat is here is to represent Hiromu, who's not in the G one. Um, 
which is, I think, a huge oversight. But it's nice to have Osprey in there, the rev, the current Rev Pro heavyweight champion, and he looks like a heavyweight. He doesn't seem as swole in the upper body as we've seen in his pictures because he's not fresh off of a workout. But my God, the boy's thighs are they are some thick biscuits right now. Yeah. He needs to get um, into the armbands a little bit, pump his muscles and veins out a little, that kind of stuff that would make him look, I, have the appearance. But I mean, I agree with still, you. I was like, oh, big. I was, I had one of those, that, that's not how he looked on Twitter. That's, that's kind of, no, what was my first but impression. But he's still pretty jacked. Yeah, that's, that's much, a big boy. a lot more meat than he had. And he can still fly as he proved in this match. So the, a lot of the questions were answered in this match. Osprey still flies. He still looks great when he does. He might even have even more spring uh, now that his, his quads have gotten even more massive and he yeah, beat Takahashi pretty much straight up. And yep. it was, uh, just outclassed him. I would say it wasn't, it wasn't a, a, a mugging like we predicted, as you said, but it, he did outclass him. Yeah. Uh, the next match was Taichi and Jeff Cobb, another solid match. It was actually, I think, uh, a very good look for Jeff Cobb, who I would say last year had kind of a fair to middling G one. Um, I don't expect him to win a whole lot this time, but I do expect him to look better. And he did hear him and Tai Chi. I hate to say it because I hate Tai Chi. I hate him. I hate him so much. But this was a good match. Damn it. If you're going to blaspheme, make sure you covered poor Gerald's ears. Oh, sorry. He's he's delicate. Damn it. Uh, yeah, Tai Chi looked good here. Cobb looked good. It was a fun little match. Tai Chi wins. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, but then we got to Suzuki and Ishii which is one of the ones we were looking forward to on that first night. And we pretty much got exactly what we knew we were going to get. Two grown-ass men beating the absolute stuffing out of each other. There was even that point where it was, and they were doing the shh, and it was quiet. And you could just hear those forearms. Just, mm, God, yeah. they were hitting each other so hard. So hard. It's the slaps and the forearms and the, at one point a headbutt. Sheriff He's McDonald like has told like me in the past that he doesn't like watching New Japan because it makes him a little uncomfortable. Don't watch <laughs> this match, Jared. <laughs> this match will make you uncomfortable. <laughs> this, yes, if you don't like people actually hurting each other, this match will make you uncomfortable. That is for sure. These guys went in there and just... But they're smiling! Right. It, it, Suzuki's such a psychopath. He's smiling the entire time. He's, he loves pain. Oh, I love it. Both of them but, uh, just, just fight, get fired up and ah, just look yeah. at each other. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, how much can they take? And then they fire. Like Ishii at one point, I'm, like there's a couple times where he just KO'd Ishii. Like Ishii just dropped. He was dead. And then for, somehow cuts back into it and then starts no selling and he hulks up and just, oh, it's so <laughs> much fun. Uh, but ultimately. Suzuki unleashed a, a flurry, got that gotch style pile driver, and then that was all she wrote. Suzuki is your never open weight champion. So that means Ishii will not get a shot at it because mm. Suzuki did beat him here. I was hoping he would. I wanted to see those two have another go uh, for the never open, see if Ishii could get it back. I think Suzuki's going to lose to very few people, like three or four people, just to keep his, 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 his date card, his uh. dance card. A little bit slim going forward. Good point. You also had Jay White and Shingo Takagi. As you would expect, Bullet Club shows up and all kinds of interference and ref bumps, the whole works. And that's how Jay White defeated Shingo Takagi in what would have been a great match if they just let them go. But that's just not how Jay White works. So now we know Jay White and Evil are going to be the two guys who are coming in here with all Bullet Club running interference and being pains in the ass and not giving us the straight-up wrestling matches that we want. 
we at the beginning we recommended matches. I would also tack this one on as well, if only to see how Jay White uh, and his antics work in a match. If you haven't seen Jay White, yeah, this is a great primer. jumping out of the ring in the beginning. <laughs> There's psychological no kind why of play. Takagi you know? should have lost to him, other no. than just all the bullshit that Jay pulls. Yep, he's an absolute <laughs> master at it. A couple years ago, I picked him to win. You did? Uh, yeah, that, that's right. Evil knocked him out. You got close. Yep. You got close. Yep. Yeah. And you've never forgiven evil since. Oh. Uh, and then finally, the main event of night one, Ibushi and Okada, a rematch of one of the best matches of the year, Wrestle Kingdom night one. And this time, the tables have turned. Ibushi beats Okada. Straight up. Mm. Romaye, Kamagoye, done. Mm. And... Uh, yeah, impressive. Not as good of a match as the one at Wrestle Kingdom, but also a damn, damn good match from two of the greatest in the world. I thought it was interesting that after this in the press conference, Ibushi straight up said, I'm going to become God. Yeah. Not a God, the God. Not the gods that I pray, like the wrestling gods. I'm not going to become like a, a you know, you know, a, 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 one of these guys you really respect from the previous generation, kind of like a wrestling. No, I'm going to become literal God. <laughs> So he's going to be Asmongold? A literal god, yes. Yeah. Let's go, boys. Yeah. So, uh, But this is interesting because that's one thing that Tanahashi told him when they were a tag team is, hey, dude, you've got to become god. Like, you have the ability. So it's nice to see Ibushi take that and run with it. He's still working off of the ace, giving him kind of the, the golden touch, if you will. And if the plan is for Ibushi to become the new ace of Japan, this might be where that starts. Yeah. So that Remember, may be really Okada cool. started in 2013, I think. He, didn't he mm, right win? around that. Yeah. So, I mean, he's been on a run. I, I like this, especially coming off of Wrestle moment? Kingdom and, and all. I think they probably had this in the plans earlier this year because the G1 usually starts in July, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Goes into August up to Labor Day. So, yeah, you had. I think you probably had this in the plans, and it's just been delayed because of COVID and everything. I'm way behind, by the way. i got to catch up real quick. Oh, then catch up, please. Uh, Jess threw 100 bits in, said, salt applied, time for the steak. <laughs> yes. What a boneless, or sorry, a bone-in ribeye it was. Mm. Uh, Will threw in 100 bits, said, so glad they got the night, the rights to Osprey's themes this year. Oh, God, it bangs. God, yes. It yeah. so does. It really, really, really good. And Esme with 1,000 bits. Dang, Esme. 1,000 bits you. again. Thank you. Will's thighs could crack walnuts. Got nothing on Tyler Bate, though. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Osprey's got the height. That's a good point. That's mm. a good point. You have to talk about like actual girth, maybe relative to the rest of the body. I don't know. <laughs> girthy, girthy thighs. Girthy thighs. Give girth uh, this Ibushi Okada match, I wanted to enjoy it. I guess my expectations were too high. I, I did not like it. Which uh, one? The Ibushi Okada match. Right. I think the beginning of it I liked the most because it was like two old foes facing off and they didn't yes. they were waiting for one of them uh, to start. Once again, you uh, have stepped before me and we must fight. Yes. Once again into the breach, old friend. You know. Just, <laughs> <laughs> uh and then the just the psychology of the beginning of the match. But if, yeah, eventually it was just okay. Ibushi won. Yeah. All right. It did seem like it just happened. Yeah. Like it wasn't it was not no the, drama on the level no, it wasn't the level. It wasn't the level that I think they could go to. So in that sense, yeah, I could see that it was still a damn good match. Yeah, it was. You know. Yeah. Um. 
So let's move to night two. Let's talk. Let's let's leave uh, Bushi over there on night one, pretending he's Bill Murray from Groundhog Day. Yeah. Not a I'm not a guy. I, I understood that reference. Not Egon, Don't think. Uh, let's go to night two. Juice Robinson versus Yoshi Hashi. Yoshi Hashi. Juice Robinson coming look coming out looking like a flamboyant blues brother, which was an interesting change <laughs> from him coming out looking right. like essentially a, a a Burning Man dancer on acid. Bit of a change for Juice Robinson. Yoshihashi coming out looking like himself, <laughs> the most hangdog dude in New I'm Japan. I'm just here that to eat a pin, Yoshihashi. I'm, <laughs> I'm just here to do my job. Yep. <laughs> Cashing a check, going home, gonna cry into my rice. Yeah. Uh, and that's what happened here. Juice Robinson beat him, and backstage Yoshihashi was just kind of was like, "Yeah, yeah, that happened." I knew, I knew Juice was good. He was just, he was just better than me tonight. But you know, I still got my energy. Yay, Yoshihashi. So, yeah, Juice looks good. He got the crowd really riled up for him. He's really good at that. He's a great baby face. I think he's going to have a good run. Um, probably end up at the top top of the numbers. But uh, he ain't winning the whole thing. Someone in the next match might be doing that, even though he did lose his first match. Sonata dropped one to Toru Yano. As we said, Toru Yano is going to beat people who you don't expect in ways you don't expect. He, he came out with the tape, with the trainer's tape on this one. Sure enough. Uh, the ref caught two of them in his knee pads, but that didn't matter because by the end, he tricked Sonata into going out of the ring, and he tied him up to, I, was it Yoda Tsuji he tied him up to, or was it Uramura? Uh, I don't know. He tied him up to one of the young lions so yeah. that Sonata couldn't Is get Moore, back into the ring in time. And uh, and so Sonata <laughs> loses one due to ref countout because Toriano taped him to a young lion. Good Lord. The Amazing. same way that Toriano beat uh, John Moxley last year, by the way. He's so. learned something. He, he's learned nothing. No one learns. No one ever learns. Toriano gets him. Even if they have learned, he still gets them. I still think Sonata's going to win, uh, win B-Block. Um, yeah. And, and this, I, is a, this, is a, this is a swerve. It, it's a bit of a swerve. It's a bit of a misdirection to get you to not have faith in him, and I think he's going to go on a run. And just look at If you look down the, down the cards, down the schedule, uh, it's, 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 I don't want to say it's obvious, but that, it's, my, it's my gut feeling. Is what is what I'll say there. I I, I halfway expected this one uh, to be the way it is. Uh, Jacob threw a hundred bits in. Thank you very much, sir. Said Andy and I were dying in the chat over the Yano match. Truly entertaining, and it was Umura. Yep. I love Umura. I just want to throw it out there. Yeah. Uh, Kenta had a match with Hiroki Goto. Much like night one in this spot, this was the slugfest. Beat the absolute crap out of each other. And to my shock, Kenta tapped out Hiroki Goto. This is another one, like, if you're looking for some more matches to check out, this is another good one. Uh, just, just slobber knocker. Good stuff. Kenta's looking strong as hell. Goto, man, that dude just can't get off the ground. Nope. Mm-mm. Much like Sonata, uh, though, I think he could go on a run. Looking back at this, I was looking over the schedule as I was watching. Over and over, by the way. I think I've watched both nights three times now. I just I'll, I'll leave them on the other monitor playing while I'm doing work or something yeah, else yeah. going on, and I'll have them in an ear and have one side eye kind of watching what's <laughs> going on. Um, but you know, it just really, really good first two nights, and and this match is is underrated, I believe. I think uh, these two worked really well together. But yeah, it was a big surprise. Kenta tapped him out. I did not see that coming. He also had a really good run this year, and I feel like I feel like he was getting a bit of a renaissance, Goto. And I'm, I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised if, much like Sonata, this is a little bit of a swerve, and we end up with Goto on a run. Because if you remember last year, he kind of did the same thing after Moxley went Man. on that run. He snuck up at the end. 
not in not in this block. Look at look at all the people <laughs> in this block. Okay. Come on. Right. There's no way. Let's go to the next match. Zack Sabre Jr. and Evil, both of whom could easily beat Goto on any given night. Right. Uh, and this was weird. Zack Sabre Jr. was almost working face against Evil and all of his minions. Oh, well, that being Dick Togo. Yeah. Um, for now. But he... Uh, what's that? For now. For, for now. Yeah. But this was interesting to watch Zack basically fight back against all of this and ultimately get a victory over Evil. That was I was shocked by that. I thought Zack was going to drop this. I did too. Um, very, again, very surprised maybe, Evil's already won down. Yeah. I mean, again, that's that's one of those things that makes me wonder if they're having him go down at the, at the beginning to come back later to kind of throw us off the scent. A little bit. But that was weird. Yeah. But a very good match. Very good match. Very fascinating if you've ever, if you've watched Zack Sabre in the past just be an absolute shit heel. Well, like all year so he's, far, he's pretty much. He's an octopus, the, the guy. Who knows well, what yes, the hell he's going to tie you up in. But And that was pretty much the story here, was him just, just baffling evil for most of this match. Yeah. But then let's talk about the final match of the night. The, the, the glorious match that was Naito versus Hiroshi Tanahashi. Nick, you've watched this a bunch of times, I know. You were you texted me after the moment you watched this and were like, "Oh my god, what a match!" I think I think my, it, actually I want to look real quick. I think I, I know what I said, but I want to double check real quick. Uh, uh, Naito slash Tana just put on a masterpiece. Yeah, yeah, guys, this match. Um, for those of you that are expecting big crazy stuff, it's not what the match was. It was a ring psychology and a drama masterpiece of two guys that know how to build drama in a match. I I this is one of those I got to go all the way back to like Okada and Omega before I find one that really built drama Whoa. in a match. I'm um, uh, Shingo Will Osprey last year maybe. Jeez, you're putting this in some rarefied air. Yeah, th this was really good. And it and the thing <laughs> the thing was is that it, there wasn't a lot to it. It was the drama of the two it was of so them. So simple. Uh, yeah. And these they two OGs, the right? Just going yeah. at it one time. Well, I love, I love that they it. built that it was. Yeah, they're both a little bit broken down. Who's gonna Who's gonna go for the the? They they both have a whole bunch of bad joints. Who's going for the joints first? Uh, who's more desperate? Watching Tanahashi just kind of get beaten down and taking crazy chances because he knew he was probably outclassed here. Crazy high fly flow off the top oh, turnbuckle my. to the outside. Technically, an aces high. The opponent was That's standing. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, but yeah, so it, absolutely insane moves from, from Tanahashi there. And then just also, as you said, a ton of back and forth inside the drama of can Tanahashi still go finding out he can. And Naito basically just squeaking out a win. Barely Tanahashi. got a destino off it there at the end. Uh, I don't. I don't know if that was Tana being blown up and sandbagging him a little bit, but he was, well, Tana went for the, he went, you know, uh, Naito was able to stand up into an ace's high. Yeah. So Tana had to go back for a, a high fly flow. Naito able to roll out of the way, and then um, you know just basically had to beat down Tanahashi, who who avoided a couple of moves but ended up eating a Gloria, and then got out of one Destino but wasn't able to escape the second. Yeah. So and it was just good stuff all around. And Love also it. anytime that you have someone collapsing out of a move, yeah, he's avoiding Destino by collapsing in exhaustion. Mwah. Yeah. Love it. Tano, Tano, so Tano was blown up for sure by the end of this one because they just did not stop for a good 20 minutes. 
I don't remember how long the match time was. I don't think he was, was legit blown up, but he was selling it like he was, and I, I was fine with it. Yeah. But it was a great, heroic Tanahashi effort. Naito also, like, I appreciated that in the middle of a pandemic, in the spot where they were, they were just kind of standing and striking, in a spot where Naito usually, out of disrespect, would spit in someone's face, he spat in the canvas instead. Right. <laughs> so we can't do that now. Oh, it was great. Let me catch up real quick before match. we wrap up. Uh, Jacob yes. threw in 100 bits. Thank you, sir. Said Andy and I were dying Thank in the chat. You. Oh, we uh, we already said that one. Sorry. Uh, Will said, uh, with 100 bits, said B-Block stands for Batwing. Uh, uh, <laughs> 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 you, you got Nick. You got him again. It's a little just, just, Nick, whenever you, whenever you want to think about it, just hold your hand up and look at that little piece of skin between your thumb and forefinger. It's <laughs> <Just> right there. <laughs> got him again every time. So easy. It's so nasty. Like I, I just, it's just a, it's a webbed piece of webbing. But uh, oh, leave it alone. Esme gifted a tier one sub to Corey J one forty eight. Uh, thank you very much, Esme and Corey. Make sure you thank Esme for your gifted sub. Yep. And Jacob with a hundred bits yeah. said, I could tell from the jump when Tana grabbed Naito's leg when he looked away at the beginning, it was going to get good. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That match, uh, guys. That is to me, that is the match of the weekend. Easily for night one that's and night bar. two. That's that's the bar. And like, I think like that. that's if that's the glass ceiling that everybody else is going to have to bust through to. That's the one. Like it's the bar. That the bar has been set. Um, and I haven't had a chance yet to review the uh, the next few matches. Um, I do have them on the Google Calendar, by the way. If you guys want to subscribe to that, uh, there's a link to it in the Facebook group. I need to pin that, by the way, uh, in the Facebook group and post it in Discord. But yeah, we've got I've got all the matches and all the the nights laid out in our Google Calendar. That's public. You guys can subscribe to it and get notifications when I can the shows you, are going to be on. I can tell you right now. Uh, tonight, actually, September 23rd, right. which I believe is tonight. Uh, tomorrow morning. Um, Technically, well, that's but that's tonight for yeah. us here. Yeah, in the yeah. Well, you know, you've got Kota Ibushi versus Jay White, Tomohiro Ishii versus Will Ospreay, Suzuki versus Taichi, Okada versus Yujiro Takahashi, and Jeff Cobb versus Shingo Takagi. And what's going to be a slobber knocker uh, tomorrow? Will be Tetsuya Naito versus Zack Saber Jr., Yoshihashi versus Evil, Juice Robinson versus Kenta, Ooh. Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Toru Yano. Oh boy, and uh, Goto versus Sonata. Uh, oh. And then after that, the next two shows are on the 27th and 29th. Goto Sonata so is a good one. That's going to be a that's going to be a match to remember because I think both those guys are going to have runs and it's going to yes. come up to the end. Uh, Sonata's winning that one. Yeah, so right to. now. Yeah, has that, to. That, I, Must win. Could we potentially end in a tiebreaker between Goto and Sonata based on this match that was so early in the tournament? I don't know why you think Goto is going to run anywhere. Look what he did last There's year. There's so many other, so many other people that are going to no. Okay. No. You're out of your mind. Jay Wolf with 100 bits says, don't you T-bar. I don't understand. What did I miss? I don't know. I'm not sure, Jay. Oh, the T-bar. Don't. That's the bar that's going to be set. Uh, the uh, T-bar uh, okay. that's going to be set. Hey-o! Womp. Womp. Hey-o. Thank you very much, Jay. <laughs> Will threw in 100 bits, said Ishii versus Osprey. That could redefine Osprey's role in this tournament. Amen. Can he yep. come in back and hang with the... With a dude who's known for being like a heavyweight buster. Yep. So that's really overall. Ian, what were your thoughts on the first uh, first two nights? Fantastic. I can't wait for more. I mean, I no no real major surprises. I don't think. Um, just a bunch of good wrestling, yeah, and I'm I'm glad it's back. Yeah. Oh, uh, it's it's just so good to watch it. And I, an I, audience. The audience is not allowed to boo. They're not allowed to make any kind of vocal expression, even though every once in a while you'll sneak out a ooh out of them. Um, I didn't but, hear Naito Girl this year. Because you're not, allowed, you're not allowed to scream. You're not yeah. allowed to say things out loud. You're not allowed to go, yay, or boo, or Naito! 
you'll, you're not you'll allowed get, to. You'll get the the flurry of applause for a second yeah. in, in between resets, right? Yeah. <laughs> good stuff though it's really good stuff i'm looking forward to more as well uh tonight has some really good matches also oh but that's not it guys that was the g1 but we're not done quite yet we've got to go back and do what we like to call the other news lightning round beep 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 in okay you are on the clock sir and the bumblebee <gasps> begins here we go nxt had a covid19 outbreak a couple of weeks ago that's just getting reported the few more people got sick over there no idea of how many or who it was, but we do know that it happened. The news is starting to get out now. It's believed to be a relatively small number, due, but it's due to lax mask wearing. Not enough people wearing their masks and kind of, ah, we don't need to worry about it. Uh, John Alba down there in Florida reported that it may have been a coach in particular spreading it. That, have, that was the source. Mm. Um, the outbreak apparently did lead to several changes in NXT programming over the last couple of weeks, according to Fightful. So any kind of any strange matches that popped up might have been because of that little outbreak they had in NXT. But as with all uh, aspects of WWE, it's trying to be kept as mum as possible so that to, to not have people come down on them for not having good protocols. Uh, Roman Reigns was interviewed, and uh, he says that just wait, his new character is going to continue to evolve, including possibly getting a new entrance theme. Uh, as well, check out this Sunday, he says he's going shirtless. Finally! Which is, which is interesting because apparently, according to Tom Colohue, uh he had a medical condition. Supposedly, Roman was all it was, it was, uh, it was had been put out there that Roman had to wear the chest protector because it was hiding a belt that kept him from getting a hernia because he's had issues with hernias in the past. So that's going to blow that story wide open if Roman does ultimately come out with no shirt on this weekend. So I guess the whole hernia thing was just smoke. Mm. Uh, but yeah, keep you, keep your eyes out. Apparently, Roman's character will continue to evolve as certain aspects of his character are revealed. Like, you know, betraying his family and beating them down, right. which is probably what's going to happen this Sunday. Uh, as far as people who used to work for WWE, Serena Deeb, who you might remember, remember as being a coach in the PC and also a member of CM Punk Straight Edge Society, she is now All Elite. She had a match a couple of weeks ago against Thunder Rosa. That was fantastic. She is now All Elite. That's a great pickup especially for their women's division that needs a leader, a backstage leader, someone who can get in there and train the ladies on how to wrestle. So, mwah, great call. She can also go out there and put on some damn good matches. The question is, is Gerald Briscoe all elite? Mm. He's been teasing it ever since WWE fired him after 30-odd years of working for them and being loyal. Uh, he put out a tweet where he said he can't wait until this Wednesday when he has an announcement. Oh. Can't spelled K-H-A-N. So, God! I don't know. Yeah, maybe he's on Star Trek. Maybe that's what he's saying. Yeah, maybe he's a big Ricardo Montalban fan. You know. Yeah. Oh well, who isn't? Right, it's exactly. Ricardo Montalban. He will chase you. He will talk to you almost like Angel Garza. Yes, that's probably <laughs> where my Angel Garza comes from. Yes. Ah, Kirk, my old friend. <laughs> on the AEW Unrestricted podcast, Chucky e. T said, and I quote: "People talk about this fake bullshit rivalry between AEW and NXT, but they." Uh, the members of the NXT roster are all my friends. Like, come on. I was actually a groomsman in Johnny Gargano's wedding. I want them to succeed, too. Obviously, not at our expense. I hope they lose and die forever. But those are all my friends. Pretty much everyone on NXT TV I know pretty well. Uh, Aubrey Edwards also chimed in to say that real wrestling fans want both to succeed. And I want to say this right now. That is also what we preach here 
on the Bust Wide Open podcast. Love all wrestling. I want both to succeed. Period. Hard stop. Right. I want Raw and SmackDown to succeed. Just Raw has not been succeeding lately, and it's killing me. Yeah. Uh, And, of course, meanwhile, Chris Jericho's out there on uh, Inside the Ropes saying that NXT should just give up on trying to face them on Wednesdays. The, the, the demo god thing is not a work. It's actually a shoot. That it's, They're embarrassing themselves. They should run off the Tuesday or Sunday, uh, and they would do better. Hmm. Which, by the way, I mean, could be his way of saying, I want them to do well, just don't try to fight us. Because when they, when they had the, uh, the two shows on different days, both, both shows did get much higher ratings. Yeah, that's so true. It would, actually be better, it would be better for both shows. So you have a lot of people trying to watch both on Wednesdays and it hurts both of them. <laughs> it hurts my head. Yeah. WWE is getting into wine. They will be offering an Undertaker Cabernet Sauvignon. It will be a 30 barrel run numbered limited edition dipped hand dipped in bright purple wax. Uh, you can now order that online. Also, you can pre-order, excuse me. Uh, they're also putting out an Ultimate Warrior Zinfandel. The Cabernet Sauvignon is from Lodi, California, which is that make they make some good wine in Lodi. And the Zinfandel is from Mendocino. They will both be shipping out October 22nd for $100 a bottle. Apparently, it's very good wine. Fuck off. <laughs> $100 a bottle. I think the I missed rocks- the button a little bit. <laughs> you were so flustered by $100 bottles of WWE wine. The Rock says his most already in the wine business with the Bellas. Never mind. Keep going. They're already in the wine business with Sami Zayn. I'm the Intercontinental Champion. I should be the champ. The Rock says his most likely WrestleMania opponent would be Roman Reigns. Uh, he was on his YouTube show and talking about well, coming back at WrestleMania. He said the most logical opponent would be Roman and that while he knows that it would be this, you know, he'd probably get this whole spiel about, ah, it's just one match, you can lose this, but then another one, you then you have other matches, and this, you get drawn back into the whole thing. He would be cool to come back for one match, and he'd be cool with putting over Roman. So keep that in mind if you're, if you're fantasy booking WrestleMania this year. Just, it's out there. The Rock would be down. Josh Barnett's Bloodsport, we mentioned that briefly earlier in the show, and we talked about how uh, it's the real Raw Underground it's coming back. It's going to be this October 11th in Indianapolis, Indiana. Crushingly, it will be taking place three days before I will be in Indianapolis, Indiana. Oh. And I, I am losing sleep over it. Because the lineup includes filthy Tom Lawler, Davey Boy Smith Jr., Josh Barnett himself, John Moxley, Deanna Parazzo, Homicide, Killer Kelly, Chris Dickinson, Calvin Tankman, Josh Alexander, Eric Hammer, Lindsey Snow, and Cal Jack, that's going to be a stacked card and an awesome show. So if you're in the Indianapolis area, or even not, if you're clo- anywhere within driving distance, go check out Josh Barnett's Bloodsport. It is a good time. Cody got rejected again for the American Dream, for quote the American Dream by the U.S. Patent Trademark Office, as we've mentioned on the show before. He's had a trouble getting that pushed through. Uh, they were saying he doesn't have enough documentation showing that uh, that that title referred to Dusty Rhodes and was used in entertainment services, specifically live appearances and appearances by a pro wrestler. And of course, Cody and his lawyer are beside themselves like, how could you not know that's what it was? Okay, fine. They have until January 2021 to come up with enough documentation to show to the U.S. Patent uh, Office that that is what it is. So we'll wait, wait and see until January 2021. Hopefully he does eventually get that. Kylie Ray, smiley Kylie Ray, got engaged to indie wrestler Isaiah Velasquez. 
Aww. Isaiah says that he was attracted to her because she's just so cute and smiley. Oh. There's also some reports that Bobby Roode could be back on your TVs on WWE. He's currently signed to the Raw brand but hasn't been around largely because they had nothing for him, but also because he couldn't get across the border because he's Canadian. But apparently he's worked that out, the travel uh, issues, and he should be back on your TV soon. The question is, in what capacity? Yeah. Uh, Vince is the one who insisted on the Never Say Never line in the Undertaker documentary. At the very end, Taker said, oh, you know, never say never when it came to his retirement. Taker wanted to end it with him saying, yep, I'm done. But Vince was the one who ins- he didn't like the ending. He insisted that Taker say never say never because if there's one thing that Vince loves to do, it's just beat a dead horse until it's nothing but just bones on the concrete. Yep. And finally, let's end on a positive note here. Mark Bennett, Canellas Bennett, Mark Bennett. Mike Bennett. Mark Bennett on Twitter said, Dear wrestlers, interact with your fans. Talk to them. Engage with them on social media. Listen to them. Appreciate them. The days of calling them marks and talking down to them are over. The fans are your lifeblood. Treat them as such. Mm. Well said. Well said. Well said, well said. indeed. That is, that is the right mentality to have. Um, and also when it comes to fans... Treat the damn wrestlers with some respect. They beat the crap out of each other for your entertainment. So it has some goddamn respect when it comes to them as well. Yes. And Nick, that is the news. Well, thank you very much, sir, Ian Dangerous. But guys, we're not done just yet. And hang out, because don't forget, we're doing the patron mailbag immediately after this as well. But we're going to head over and do what we like to call our moment of positivity. That's right, it's the moment of positivity, the moment when we, at the very end of our show, wrap up all of our joy and give it to you in one tasty morsel that you can then take away with you out back into the world and have a grin on your face and some warm fuzzies in your tummy. That's right, we're going to look back at the thing that made us smile over the last few days of wrestling. So, Nick, what is your moment of positivity for this show? It's got to be the G1. Okay, it's well, certainly not Monday Night Raw. Specifically on the G1. Um, oh. <laughs> Come uh, on, man. It, it, it's got to be those silent crowd forearm shots between, <laughs> between Ishii and Suzuki. Like, oh, man. good God. The gunshot forearms? It sounds like... Uh, I've shot a lot of guns in my life. It sounded like a gunshot going off. Just, just meat. That's the most just Carolina thing you've ever said. Hitting each other. Just and, and Ishii just collapsing down to a knee. Just like he just got knocked the F out. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Because every time they would just stand in the middle and trade like that, I was like, oh, 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 God. <laughs> oh. Just over and over again. I, it's been a long time since I've marked out at a wrestling match like that. I'm so happy G1's back and we've got it for the next four or six weeks, whatever it is. Agreed. Completely agreed. I, I wanted to find something from Raw uh, just to kind of undo a little bit of that sure. mm, that salt that that I had for it. Um, that is the best word for it. <laughs> Good luck. Uh, but I, I, I really can't when I'm sitting here staring down the G1. I mean, just that I, I want to take the aces high off the top of the Tanahashi match. That was such like I, a mark out moment for me. And it was the moment in the match where up until that point, Naito had Tana's number. Uh, and Tana was struggling, and then that was the moment where Tana just was like, "I'm going, I'm going for it," 
and it's such like a, a, an aspect of his character is why he's the ace of Japan. He makes you believe in him over and over again. It was so early in the match too. It was really early. Yeah. It was great, and it was it was a momentum changer for the match. Yeah, Doc Ziggler loved it. He's a no. He was oh, he was beside himself when it happened. Wow. He's a big ton of Mark himself. I, I think so. he's still also mad that Hiromu is not in the tournament. You know, he is. He he. Every time he sees uh, uh, Hiromu come out with the cat, he wants to chase the cat. So that's that's part of it. But yeah, no, I got I got to say it's it's just, and it's just Tanahashi in general, man. That just that that's why that's what makes him the ace. Yeah, is the way he's able to jump through your TV screen. Absolutely. So even with the stupid braids in the side of his head, right. Well, before we get out of here, Esme gifted a Tier 1 sub to RK Shuttleworth. RK, make sure you thank Esme for that Tier 1 sub, and thank you very much, Esme. Uh, welcome to the stream, RK. And uh, Kyle with 100 bits said, My mop is the success of Thunder Rosa's all-women's mission pro wrestling promotions mm -hmm. first event. Go watch it if you haven't, just for the end statement. It's going to be truly something special here in Texas. Yeah, she's she's a badass with a huge passion for the for the business, so... Every bit of success to her, for sure. Absolutely. Well, guys, like I said, we're going to take a quick break right after we do the outro here, and we're going to come right back with oh, the yes. patron mailbag number 50. 50 Ooh, big of five the patron old. mailbag. Uh, you yeah. got about five minutes to get your question in if it's not already in there. But, uh, yeah. Uh, hang tight, guys. We'll be back in about 10 minutes. But uh, my name is Nick Howell. You can, oh, nope. That's not what we're going to do right now. We're going to do the housekeeping oh, yeah. stuff, right? Come oh, yeah. join us in yeah. Discord. There you go. <laughs> that's the place to do it. All right, that's the place to be for all light wrestling chats all throughout the week and the G1 ongoing for over the next month. Plus, we got Sir, um, Sir, almost said Survivor Series. Clash of Champions this weekend. Get it together, <laughs> Nick. Clash of Champions Come this on, weekend. Uh, we are moving to Fridays this week as well. Friday night, immediately after SmackDown, mm -hmm. we will be doing our AEW, NXT, and SmackDown show on Friday nights, plus the go-home to Clash of Champions and giving our preview and pick for Clash of Champions happening on Sunday. So make sure to set the clocks and the reminders and the alarms. It's no longer Saturdays. It's Friday nights. Probably about 10.30 Eastern, thereabouts, yeah, something like that. Uh, come over and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BWO podcast, youtube.com slash busted wide open, uh, BWO podcast.com for all of these links and more. And the namesake of the show we're getting ready to go do is the patron mailbag. And to get in on this, some of that, you have to head over to patreon.com slash BWO, mm. get in that $5 tier or higher. And you can ask a question every single week. Plus audio episodes of the podcast, bonus episodes at the $10 tier, Skype calls with Surrey and dangerous and myself, uh, every single month, all kinds of good stuff over at patreon.com slash bwo but my name is nick howell you can find me on twitter at data center dude and i am sir ian dangerous you can find me on twitter at sir ian dangerous but my god would somebody stop the damn match this show is part of the orbital jigsaw network for more episodes subscribe to us on itunes google play or stitcher radio for details and show notes from each episode check us out orbitaljigsaw.com